Welcome back to another episode of Tactical Crouch. This is episode number 194. A show where absolutely no one has been surprised by the Shanghai Dragons winning their fourth season of the Overwatch League now. And uh, where we overreact and knee-jerk, kick ourselves in the face to all the recent Overwatch 2 news. Oh, I'm sorry, I got us confused with Reddit there for a second. But uh, but yeah, we, we will be talking a little bit about uh, you know what's going on with, with, with what's been happening in the past week where... Oh, Watch League is finished, guys, for the year. Playoffs is all done and dusted. And, you know, we got a little bit of a, just an inkling, just a tiny bit of a, a dripping, that IV drip of Overwatch 2 news as well. Um, and then obviously, as mentioned, we crowned our fourth champions here in the Shanghai Dragons, who four years in the running have finally completed the redemption arc from 0-40 to 4-0 grand champions. Very true. What a story. What a story. It's probably the most anticlimactic. I don't think anybody would would fight me on that. Um, but um in Overwatch fashion, still ending with a with a bit of surprise, with a bit of a a question mark um coming into, you know, who who takes home silver, right? Like I think oh. there's a lot of votes coming in, a lot of people assuming <laughs> it was gonna be that two horse race all season long, but I think Atlanta had uh, you some, like, some other you like, issues. Was a bit of surprise. I'm like, what surprise? Was anyone yeah, surprised yeah. by the by the Shanghai? Then you said the second place. I'm like, oh, that's kind of true. I guess mm. maybe a little bit. I don't. Yeah, I don't think many people were coming into like pre playoffs, like leading into this. Like, oh yeah, Atlanta's going deep. Oh my god, like you know, such a good team. Like, they definitely never got the respect that they deserved. Um which probably played into it, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 surprising but, even still to the like, even looking at it now, it's like damn, really they they did the damn thing. That's that's insane. Credit where's to where's your Jessica, Where's your mind now at post playoffs? I think like one thing that's also best pointing out. I think beyond like winning it, I think we also have to say that yes, the season wasn't as long, but if you look at most metrics legitimately the valiant this year was worse than shanghai dragons in season one it's not just like they, they also lost all the matches yes but yeah they also i mean i think sideshow had like a pretty popular clips just talking about like how they won less maps percentage wise as well not just that look at their team fight win win rate i think the shanghai dragons of season one had like 31 percent if I, uh, I recall correctly valiant is like at 26 they is just so abysmally bad. It's unreal. So I think there's reasons that for right. that, but yeah, yeah. I mean, comparatively speaking, uh, I I always I, judge by comparison to their, uh, um, you know, hmm. quality well, of their position because that also means more more quality players out there that they could have signed, right? Yep. So hypothetically speaking, if you if you gave the Valiant twenty four more matches. Could they have equalized with Shanghai Dragons Hell season no. one in no, no, no. map records with Listen, 24 oh, more matches? No. Yeah. Because they only played 16. No, I don't think so. No. Probably not. No. I think the biggest difference is, and that this should be no surprise to anybody, is that Dragons actually made changes over the first season, uh, committed to, I guess, financially trying to fix their problems by getting different players in, adjusting mm. their roster. Uh, and attempting to to really do something about it, and you know, there's a world where maybe dragons in season one may have been able to break their curse because there were some close map fives in there in season one, plenty of games where it looked like they were about to win, and then they didn't. 
So uh, it's rough. It's rough out there for the dragons, but um, but is it though? That's the old dragons, though. I don't know. Like, it's, damn, it's not rough today. It's not rough in 2021 <laughs> for the dragons, no sir. Um, we're gonna get into full playoff discussion in just a bit. But first of all, big shout outs to our patrons out there. Episode 194 is brought to you by Battle Crab, Refined Bean, a Bronze Bob Buhau, Chare, Chris R3444, Frodino, Hunter Tane, Porkshop Sammy, Cashew67, Lotion, Rex Zane, Volamelon, Sugar High, Wormody, and Your Misery. So let's kick things off now where we might as well go from, you know, in order of top to bottom of, of how the teams finished there. So everyone wants to hear about the Shanghai Dragons, their dominance, uh, the fact that. I think we all, everyone in their pickums predicted Shanghai to win. I'm pretty sure. I don't think anyone not didn't predict them. We all had them in the finals. We all had yep. them winning. Um, I had a four-one victory over Hunters, and we'll talk about Hunters a little bit later on. But obviously, seeing how the Hunters actually win the playoffs, there was no way they were going to make the finals. I had the four-one there because, in my opinion, if it was going to be the Hunters, mm. I would have trust them to take at least one map. Um, but versus a lot of other teams. The four zero that they got, probably not that surprised. I, I specifically even remember on my co-stream of day four, which had the two Atlanta games versus Shock and then Dallas. Um, I was my my prediction for that day was that, and at the time it was a bit of a hot uh, hot take, and obviously now it's like it's definitely not. But I said that there's a real shot that Atlanta beat both San Francisco and Dallas, today, and if they do, they will then proceed to go up against the Dragons and get zero and four. That's what I said. So, um. Funny enough, that's pretty much exactly how it went. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. If you can if you can put those two teams away, then it's I think the big question um would have been in the the, the winner or the losers finals um for Atlanta, which we'll get into. But yeah, Shanghai. Just just what a team. I think this is if there's ever going to be um and we've talked about this in the show, like if there's ever going to be another like we're like special team right like i think runaway is a special team um i think you know the 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 shock of these last two years is a special team mm. i think the this dragons roster um is probably the inheritance of that kind of title this is this is not this is not a team you just can go toe-to-toe with this is not a team that no. you can just strategically match and just best them on things yeah. um they are single-handedly one of the most oppressive and dominant forces and i and the 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 end of overwatch it's 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 kind of insane yeah what they've been able to do yeah i think like i was thinking i don't think there was ever a better pound for pound roster in overwatch history than the shanghai dragons they're definitely up there um they just have too much like if even if you thought like last season some of those players were lacking in p- some parts of the hero pool, most of them have just completely overcome. Certainly that not issue. now. Like yeah. it's it, like it's legitimately like maybe it's it's a problem of Overwatch just being so team dependent that every player just shines by virtue of being being on the winningest team. But they legitimately every single player on that roster should have been roster uh, or could have been, and definitely in the argument to be. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, you could have had some arguments like, does Lee J- like last season, like Lee Jigon, who's your one trick, huh, huh. or, you know, like even Izayaki not shining towards like the same, as bright as other flex supports did. 
Now he's like a super star flex support, right? Like Violet who? Like the you know, Jonak not really co in, in comparison. That's Izayaki now, right? So yep. um yeah, I, I don't know. Like this team is just honestly different. They also did it over various matters. I think that they the fact that they didn't perform as well in um Count on Cup doesn't necessarily mean that they did couldn't play that meta. Just like actually in hindsight, honestly. I mean, that's the first time sandbagging has effectively worked to that degree. Like, you can't disagree mm -hmm. with Moon's results now. They lost two maps all playoffs, bro. Like, then, th like that thing just worked for them. And who knows? Like, th th this is this is the sad part of being stuck in one universe. I would have loved to just get an impression of what happens if they just keep uh, the pedal on the metal during Countdown Cup, possibly win that, but then, then go into playoffs completely drained. And how that mm. looks, right? You don't want to jeopardize the no. season win, like. No. So I mean, in, in that masterclass of knowing one's team's limits, um, and I mean, uh, all of that was just so incredibly impressive. And they did it. It looked so fucking easy for them. Yeah, it's yeah. I think exactly what everybody kind of pictured. It just just utter and sheer dominance. 4-0, I think, is exactly the feeling um, you get from this. This wasn't close. This wasn't competitive. Yeah. Um, and that's no that's no kind of shade or discredit to Atlanta. Um, an absolute stud of a team and, and performed admirably through this tournament. But that's a different beast. Uh, they are built differently. Yeah. People forget this, by the way, but the teams that went to all the tournaments and played a lot... Uh, ended up playing so many games that's actually comparable to season one. Yes. Mm. Somebody worked this out, but I believe Dallas ended up the season into the season something like thirty-five total matches played or something. In Shanghai, it was like thirty-four or something close. Mm -hmm. uh, it was above thirty. Let's just say it's above thirty and under forty, which is you know it, it's more than double the matches played of teams that didn't go to Hawaii once, uh, who would have just played the standard sixteen. So if you went to Hawaii and you played well and you wanted the best teams. You had double the amount of games to play and print for. Um, so much so that you you had a comparable season to most season one teams who play 40 matches, which is ridiculous. So people, I think, underestimate the whole, you know, burnout kind of thing. And when you really put into that context, it's like I can fully understand why they took a break in the countdown cup. So did the Dallas feel because those guys were probably actually on the verge of burning out, mm. if not actually burning out. Um, and giving them an easier schedule, maybe not making Hawaii give them a much better opportunity to ramp it up again for playoffs and practice for the playoffs and make sure that their end of the season wasn't jeopardized. And to that degree, I think both Dallas Fuel and Shanghai Dragons um, had great performances in the playoffs. And, you know, we'll get to talk about Dallas Fuel in a bit more detail later on, but I don't think they could even be disappointed with their third place finish. They would have loved to have been the finals, I'm sure. Uh, and that would have been their expectation. But I, I think for a team of their, you know, where, where they've come from, a third place is like easily, first of all, is the best thing they've done in their entire organizational history. Sure. And same, same thing with the Shanghai Dragons. Um, and that's clearly what the, the prize was at the end of that. That's what they had their eyes on. So um, Shanghai swept through. And the other thing is, by the way, you can't even take this away and say, oh, they had an easy bracket or did all that. They picked shock first and foremost. Yes. They picked one of the hardest opponents you could pick in terms of the bracket the, for the first round. Then they play Glads, which is another pre-playoffs favorite. And then they play Dallas, which is another pre-playoffs mm. favorite. They like play two of the favorites, plus Shock, who are on a tear. 
Yeah. You could you could almost consider them a favorite. And then they beat Atlanta, who themselves defeated everybody else. And Atlanta was the only other team that was going absolutely hardcore. Um, you know, remove fusion and justice from the equation because they got out straight away. Remove hunters from the equation because they didn't look very good in the playoffs. And that means that uh, the Dragons played through Shock, Glads, Field, Atlanta, all the other best teams in the entire playoffs. So they actually went through the full gauntlet of all the good teams. You can't even say they got an easy run. You can't even say, oh, what is bracket easy or make a lot? It's like, no, no, they had to play through some really hard teams in yep. the one is bracket to get that result and then to four Atlanta. So there and, it is. And they only lost there's, two maps. There's no, there's no hand waving this. Yeah. This is, this is the most dominant playoff run in Overwatch League history. Most definitely. Yep. Like, Especially like with the context of the season. Like, I think... What did, what did Shock get in 2019? What was the Shock's... Didn't they go... Um, they went down they to lost the bracket. match to Atlanta, yeah. but then they had a zero map loss. Yeah, and then they just didn't lose a loses bracket. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. but going so down to lose a bracket. that's the only so. comparison people will make. But then again, yeah. you the, that's the thing, right? That's you have to remind people that is like, well, hang on, they did lose a match, which Dragons did not. Yeah. So that's kind of checkmate yeah. right there. Um, yeah. So I agree. The most dominant team as far as playoffs goes uh in overwatch league history i think the one i guess it's not surprising but i think uh the mastermind of this all um i, I think moon deserves a lot of credit mm -hmm. um I, I know that we kind of talked about his strategic choice in picking shock really early i think that's brilliant i think the way that the, he built his roster um shows a lot of faith in his own ability to scout but also puts like the like the foremost faith in the players that he's worked with. Um, I think him and another person, or or he and another coach, probably were the, like my two biggest inspirations for like the the duckling theory, where it's like wherever yeah. this coach goes, like former players are bound to follow. You look at fate, you look at Erster, you look at like all these players that kind of have have traveled with him it's it it's it's shocking to me that like the Iziaki that kind of and hopefully my memory is correct here that like was hyped and excited to come into season one but never played did pretty middling in season two is now thought about as like one of if not the best flex support yeah yep. all under moon's kind of not not tutelage yep. but system let's say yeah that's it's 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 impressive i i think that uh crusty has has his work cut out for him as as like the coach of overwatch like the the best you know system uh the, the best coach the best strategical mind i don't think it's clear-cut anymore to be honest yeah i think moon has a has a great argument well moon picked crusty and one of them won <laughs> true yeah exactly yeah Quite it's literally. not his forehead. It's not his forehead and clear cut as that. So I'll, I'll apologize for you know. It, um, it's not as just directly. That means he's better. But uh, I think Moon proved himself this year. I think there were a lot of people who doubted, who said uh, we we covered this last episode when mm. we had the first day of matches where everyone was like, oh, why would Moon pick Shock? Like, what a throw pick! Like, why would you do this? It's such 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 a stupid thing to do. Um, and then you know you even had Joe here who who disrespected and predicted Shock to win. Can um, take miles. <laughs> but uh you know i had faith i knew that uh moon would pull that through uh shanghai were going to be a team that i knew were going to be the easy favorites i was big on Chengdu for a what for quite a long time but never so much that i would ever yeah. print them to win against shanghai still shanghai was still going to be my easy favorites for the entire tournament for the entire season 
the entire year for the whole everything so um once you'd seen how dominant they are and how they really reached the ske- uh, ceiling and uh, you know i think you you brought this up but it's just like they did it over multiple metas right or maybe joe said that yeah. but the point the the thing about that is they played different comps but what they still managed to do is they i think mastered one composition uh they still despite the hero pulls despite changing metas despite uh, i think june joust is one of the toughest it's for them despite the that's the one they won right mm. um but they had to really pull through and, and learn a lot in that meta but what they really end up doing to me is making me realize that we actually have a team that has perfected dive um some credit of this goes to Chengdu hunters who i think really first showed the world how impressive and how much impact a ball is going to have let's not forget that shanghai didn't start as a ball team mm-hmm. that's something they adapted into part way through and i think from june joust onwards they started to become a ball team but prior to that that was still Chengdu's identity so i think Chengdu still were the first team that kind of opened up other other teams eyes to it and then shanghai took that ran with it and absolutely sprinted off into the sunset way ahead of everybody else and mastered that meta and in a similar fashion to i think we can really start to compare shanghai to shock now is yep. shock mastered goats in season two and i think shanghai have now mastered dive to the point where you simply you can't beat it if you play your own dive it's worse than shanghai's if you play literally anything else it gets taken apart by shanghai's dive and the other thing is you know we get to the end of overwatch one where i think dive is simply the strongest meta uh the strongest composition in two 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 let's let's, sure, let's yeah. you know qualify it in some cases we'll bring context to it in two 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 because obviously in as far as goats goes that that with the synergy and goats was just too ridiculous but as far as two 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 goes uh the most perfect way to play the game ends up being dive simply because if you if your team is that mechanically skilled and you are that coordinated um dive gives you the highest flexibility in terms of how to move around the map and what you can do with your players what your damage output can look like um and everything above d all of the above right so um shanghai having perfected that having backed themselves with the correct meta read like they're saying this is what we believe is the best Mm. we don't need to practice too much they know they're not very good at brawl you know gator says you want a mirror rush and they're like no it's just not they don't have to they know they don't have to they know if they can just play dive they will win by default and they won it looked like they won by default it looked like you know before we even start the grand finals just give the trophy to them they just won it was a formality right it was you know i'm sure we'll get into uh the the strange break in between you know you come into the overwatch show match with a 3-0 and it's not close um and then they have to show up and just play one more match and it's just like Okay, well, uh, we can just call it here, guys. Like, we really don't need. I to will see, say, you know, I don't. We don't need to wheel these guys the, out the on show stage. The match anymore. wouldn't have changed the result. I don't think no. it would change the result. It would have been a four zero, no matter which way you sliced it. Yep. Um, I heavily printed the four zero to the point where, like, I just it it has to be. There's no other result that makes sense to me. Like Shanghai would have to throw. They would have to like turn their monitors off for it yeah. to not be a four zero. That's not to mean to throw shade at Atlanta, who I backed in the lower bracket quite mm-hmm. heavily as as we'll get into some of the the preds especially i'm I, there's a fucking nine head pred i'm in the lower bracket where i had atlanta three getting a three two versus glads i think very few people would have had that exact pred that i made yeah. um 
and a very important win for Atlanta because I think Glad's could have won that. And if Glad's beat Atlanta, then who knows what happens in the low bracket? Maybe it's yeah. a Glad's Shanghai final. Maybe it's a closer final. And that's maybe another thing that people talk about. I was like, oh, would it have been a better final if either Glad, San Francisco, Dallas, or a good Chengdu showed up? Um, possibly, but at the same time, it's like gotta beat Atlanta. Also, man. maybe no. Also, maybe no. It's there's two things there. One is like you said, you first off, you gotta beat Atlanta. It's a pointless discussion to have. It's like, well, if you deserve to be there, then you should have fucking beat Atlanta. Second of all, um, the other thing on that on, on that record is the fact that I don't I don't know that it would have been that much better. Yeah, maybe it looks better on paper, but am I am I that crazy to think it would still be a four zero? It just sounds better. It sounds better to hear fearless, fearless, you know, battling his former team. It's it sounds better to see the two horse race finally would you, would meeting you have like given it did that in twenty nineteen. Would you have given that a non four zero result if it was any other team? No, no. And track? even even if it was just a map, like does that instill enough faith to get like the 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 potential Dallas or the potential Chengdu or the potential I don't know even the Gladiators fans enough hope to go? Yeah, we're gonna topple this gigantic fucking team. No. I mean, yes, you, were pretty, you were very high on Dallas. Would would you have said that the Dallas Shanghai final could have been like a four one four two, something like that? Would you even have said that maybe Dallas, on a really good day, could have won? No, I don't know. I probably proven, wouldn't go that far, but I, pro, as proven by the winner bracket final, right? Like that that stuff just it, it's just different a different team that showed up there. I think in my mind, the only team that could have had a legitimate chance. I'm not sure only team, but I mean, Glads could have also, but like peak Chengdu, maybe there's a, that's yeah. probably the highest uh, probability team that I could see uh, bringing it to Shanghai. Yeah. Unfortunately, we did get something very far off from peak Chengdu this weekend. <laughs> we yeah. did. So. And can I say to that? So I actually agree with you. Is I think Chengdu would have been the only team, and this is not just I'm not trying to sound like an APAC Andy here because I think yeah. a lot of people just write that off and like, oh, yeah, Errol's, he's hard back in APAC again, isn't he? But you have to understand the reason why I look at this is I, I still go back to the one game I think that was very important for me in terms of understanding where peak performance was for a lot of these teams was Summer mm. Showdown Winners Finals. Um, that I think is still to date the best match that Chengdu have ever played, even better than their match versus Glads. I think um, I think Chengdu had a much better game versus Shanghai than they did against Glads, and it's in, in the part of the difference there will be like I think everybody showed up in that Chengdu game. That is maybe the most coordinated Chengdu have ever been. It's also the most individually high skill ceiling potential that they've reached as well because you you saw everybody show up. Uh, mm. And so, yeah, maybe like a top level Chengdu could have could have had a good game versus Shanghai. But taking that into account, my specific Preds still then only had a one map for Chengdu in a in a four one victory for Shanghai. That's how hard to back Shanghai. That even if that Chengdu showed up, I said it was going to be a four one because yeah. I knew Shanghai were coming in that fucking strong. Yeah, it's a tough team. I think there's no better. Obviously, there are better ways to end the game, right, of Overwatch 1. But I think this is the best example. The Shanghai Dragons of 2021 are the best example of what Overwatch as a game is. I think they are playing the best Overwatch. I think their mm -hmm. flexibility is unmatched. I think their you know, strategy, even in their weaker matchups, is like, okay, this is, this is different enough that it's it's good but 
obviously doesn't you know correct for flaws right like they are playing what overwatch should be and and can be um obviously we don't know what overwatch 2 looks like but um if if things are if some of the the foundational pillars are there um i think we're gonna look back at this as as like a big like turning point of the game like oh that's what we're supposed to do okay yeah gotcha yeah i think and now yep continue um i forgot my point god damn it (laughs) for one second dude sometimes they they go quick they do go quick well okay maybe i'll i'll recollect it at some point I'm sure you'll come, you'll come back to me. You'll come back to me after the podcast, actually. Um, as... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn, that profound point about Shanghai. Um, it, yeah, so, so you know, really what it comes down to, when, there's, there's not much more to say about it except that, uh, yeah, they, they had perfected the meta. And that's, by the way, the reason why I think Chengdu would have been the team to take them further, because I think Chengdu was the only other team that could really play the same meta mm-hmm. and same comps as Shanghai. Uh, and we've seen them push Shanghai in that. And before anyone comes up, why am I discounting the finals? I'm not. I, I think Shanghai just showed up big time in the finals, and yeah. Chengdu maybe just choked the finals at Summer Showdown. Why am I not counting the other tournaments like June Joust or May Mail or stuff like that? Because it was the different metas. The Summer Showdown meta is the closest we had to the playoffs meta, and the play. And so that's the tournament I look at the most in terms of comparison as to who who could be good in terms of beating Shanghai. Mm. Um, and anyone, the, the the next thing people will say is like. Well, didn't Dallas play ball? Fearless came and played ball. It's like, bro, bro, that was not good enough. Like, you need to diff Shanghai on those roles. Yeah. You, you, or you can't. Please, like, we got to get off the copium slightly, right? That I will get. I will admit this. I will concede that Dallas looked really good um, in the playoffs. I think their uh, their ball compositions were surprisingly good. I think Fearless did a great job in the break uh, to to really get that underway and to give. Dallas a fair shot in a dive meta. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think to really beat Shanghai in, in, at their own game in that one-to-one comparison, you need somebody like Leave on your team that can actually diff somebody else on the Dragons. You need something on this team, more, uh, um, hopefully more than one role, that can actually be like, hey, this guy might be better than this guy on the Dragons. Um, you need something like Yvelto, who completely dominated Lip in the Brig versus Sombra matchup versus Dragons in that matchup as well. If you don't do this, you will never control Lip. You will never control Dragons. Yeah. You can't get the win. And even then, remember, I still think Dragons would have beaten Chengdu four mm-hmm. and one. So, I remember um, with I, that. I remember, remember. my point. Okay, go ahead. Here we go. Okay, go. I think if you wanted to make one caveat towards Dragons dominant this season, okay, this sounds paradoxical. The caveat is this was the most competitive season and the most diverse season ever, and they were dominant. Now, of course, this sounds like. A bonus to Shengdu, like, wait, this is a dom- the best se- uh, season in terms of, like, the widest talent pool across the league, and it's diverse. Like, if you win that, you're super good, right? Yes, mm-hmm. but also, the way it works is you, because it's so diverse, and so many teams are so good, you cannot hard focus just on the Dragons. A team like Justice tried that. Like, for two stages, pretty much, they went like, let's play the thing that when we get to the final of the tournament, we can beat Shanghai. You know what happens then if you do that? You get shit on by teams like Atlanta because you're not practicing into that style then. So nobody could afford to hard focus on beating the Dragons all the time. They need to f- focus on like 
playing their regional opposition or playing other styles. Now, play your own game. Yeah, I think during the um, during the press conference, Moon was actually pretty humble and said like, I, "We felt like the the meta ch uh, helped us a great deal uh, in terms of like what the playoff meta was because they were like that was playable for a lot of, of the of the maps and mm. <laughs> excluding two CP where of course like you 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 can shit the bed on one map type it doesn't matter that much right." Um, it's dead anyways <laughs> yeah so like i i think um yeah this this is the only caveat where you could say okay like, like in previous seasons if i'm playing goats i can just look at shock and just hard focus on shock and beating them or even even like mm. to a large degree in, uh, in season three because there weren't individual styles t to the nth degree we only saw it like during the regional uh, separation, right? Like, because we we didn't have those touching points due to uh, the tournaments in Hawaii. So, yeah, that's that's the one caveat where, like, there's a double-edged sword or like two sides of the coin of it being a very very good season in terms of breadth of competition and mm. uh, meta's um, diversity. And yeah, I think I think there's certainly metas that could have happened during the playoffs. That would have made this uh, more competitive as a as a tournament overall. Yeah, but then that would be you start getting to the zone where like Wall did, you know, is is just a meme patch. You know, we get another Roadhog yeah. DS. You know, and I, I, I that that to me would ruin competitiveness. That's actually anti-competitive. So in one hand, you'd be like, yeah, it's more competitive because the game's closer. But the game's also closer because of stupid reasons. Yeah, we just um, flipped the table because entertainment. Yeah, so yeah, it's just it's just like that's just dumb to me. So I I, I also wouldn't have been happy with that at all. I think. It would have been interesting to me to see if the, you know, we had this wrecking ball change that really didn't change that much. If anything, what may, maybe even the slab improvement. Buff the wrecking ball. Buffed, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, them actually. What if that was a little bit more of a heavy-handed nerf, and we actually can't feasibly play Winston dives all the time? Like I would have liked I mean, to see that. I think that. it's more competitive, but like, does the? Uh, I don't know. That helps Dallas. Mm-hmm. Certainly, uh, but I don't think it's awful for Shanghai. I think Shanghai it's still yeah. a dive comp, and I still think Shanghai is okay. Well, sure, Fearless would defeat now on the Winston. Great. Yeah. What about the other positions? Yes. How do you stop Lip Sombra? How do you do that? Oh. Like, how do you stop X Y Z on this thing? How do you stop Isiaki Zen, best Zen in the world, at, at the end of the tournament? Yep. Uh, you know, like how do you do that? So cool. You 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 manage to shut down one player out of out of six scratch. You don't win a championship shutting down one guy. Um, you're gonna shut down the whole team when the whole team is at like the maximum peak. We're talking like if you brought out the stat cards here, you know this is this is your FIFA fantasy team. It's mm. like a hundred across the board. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but it's like high nineties. Yeah. You know your lowest yeah. play is like maybe a ninety six, and then your highest play is like a ninety nine. Do you know what I mean? It's just like yeah. everyone's so stacked. Your whole team is just ridiculous. Yes. In terms of stats, um, so you kind of brought up a, you know a team. Maybe Washington made a mistake. They. Or other teams as well making mistakes, trying to be like, well, well, we'll play the thing that can beat the Shanghai Dragons when actually they should have just been playing to beat their domestic competition. Also, playing to what? What are you good at? Like, what are you actually good at here? Play the thing that you are good at and find success that way. And the one team that heavily encapsulated that was the Atlanta Rain, who made a full lower bracket run, and a full lower bracket run, by the way, that kind of was almost reminiscent of the shock lower bracket run from season two. Obviously, the big difference is that then the shock actually won and atlanta did not win but uh also i think shock were 
were still somewhat of a favorite in that tournament. You could have said that Atlanta beating Shock was a bit of an upset. Here, when you really look back at it, I don't know if Atlanta upset any team. I actually think they were fully deserving of the run that they got, and they played their cards exceptionally well. They knew what they were good at, and they defeated everybody in a sort of fashion where, like, they put the they they put the Gauntlet down and said, "Forget about Shanghai. You need to beat us first. You want to get to Shanghai, you actually have to beat us first. If you can't beat us, then forget about it." Um, and they came in as this NA team, and this is my gut feeling about Atlanta had always been that when I watch their previous matches, when I watch how Atlanta functions as a team, and I know what they're good at and what they're not good at, they have a god-awful record versus APAC team. I believe they've never beaten Chengdu, they've never beaten Dragons. In fact, they have never taken a map off of Dragons, ever. Zero, well, this season. This season, they've taken zero maps off of Dragons. Mm. They haven't beaten these APAC teams. The only APAC teams they've beaten are Seoul and New York because they were quote-unquote the weaker ones but the good ones like Chengdu and Shanghai which I guess we'll just say there's only two um Atlanta couldn't really touch them and that's even including the fact that the the caveat to that is Atlanta did go 2-3 versus Chengdu in the first game and maybe could have even beaten them 3-0 we talked about that in last week's episode already um but Atlanta came through they lose to Chengdu and then they wiped the floor with literally every other NA team obviously I think you maybe the one cavity there was Gladiators, which was a close game, but there were only five NA teams, and Atlanta Rain beat all four of the other NA teams in their matches in the lower bracket. Yep. It's to Atlanta's credit, you know, you talk about throwing the gauntlet down. Like they are the banner carriers for like this Western style this season. Um, I can't speak for seasons previous, and I won't speak for seasons um, that have been yet to put, you know, actually see stage time. Uh, but for this year in particular, the Atlanta rain were such like, I can't get the image out of my mind of like this, the beginning to like the original Pokemon where you walk up and you choose your starter, whatever it is. And then Gary Oak is like the APAC team that swoops in, picks the one that's like best against you and then just dominates you. It just pounds you into the ground, right? Or it's supposed to, obviously that isn't the case. Cause we're all like Epic gamers, but um, it, it like, they're the most like fire team and it's just APAC just happened to draw water, right? Like everything they threw at them. It's no surprise that you look at gladiators. What are they really, really good at? What are they like the closest mirrors of? They're the most APAC Western team. And they're the only team to really kind of challenge them in that lower bracket run. Justice, I think goes without saying gladiators being really difficult. Shock did not show up. Dallas kind of looked a little out of sorts. If I'm going to be honest. And then they play dragons who are just like the, the polar opposite. They are the foil to this mm-hmm. style that Atlanta wants to run. Um, and that's no shame or no discredit towards them. They had an amazing season, an amazing tournament. Uh, it's, it's just styles sometimes are just drawn in a way that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you, you practice or try. It is just not going to work. It'll get you there. It's going to get you to that silver medal, that podium finish. But it's not going to win. Let, let me ask you this then, or let, let me open the uh, floor for that question as well to Avril. What did the Dallas Fuel need in order to be able to beat the Shanghai Dragons in the upper bracket final or eventually? What did they need? They need a lot. I don't think there's just one thing. Um, They would have to either find a counter comp to the dragon's dive which doesn't exist there's i don't believe there is a counter comp 
um or you would have to play a similar style and do that better than the dragons which you i mean there's no way how, how else can you beat them you must do what the dragons do but better which is what chung do nearly did in the summer showdown um and that is why i hold that match from chengdu versus mm. shanghai in the upper bracket final as the closest someone's been able to yeah this is got this word's going to tilt some people legitimately beat the dragons because it sounds like i'm saying the other other yeah. wins versus dragons over the year were illegitimate, illegitimate yeah. but like let's be real count the cup dragons were fucking sandbagging um and then before summer showdown uh you know, dragons were still dragons were finding their identity i think i think june joust they had to do that sick turnaround but then summer showdown was when like every team dragons chengdu especially were finding the, the identity of like oh this is the comp this is the team this is the style um and then both the teams that had kind of mastered that style came on board so yeah to me fuel would have to really look at how do we can we first of all number one can we play a ball dive summer tracer because you do have doha and unfortunately you know I, I think Doha has a great summer, just not as good as Lip. Yeah. Um, that's number one. I think Sparkles are, are, has become a very good tracer, but not as good as Flatter. Field is absolutely not as good as Easy Arc in the Zen. Forget about it. Jack State, not even close to Lee Jagon on the break. Forget about it. Mm. Hanbin and Void, very close, actually. I think Hanbin and Void are both mm. great players. So that's that's one of your better options. Um, And unfortunately, Dallas maybe got unlucky in the meta in this way, but Fearless versus Fate Ball, Fate is better on the ball. If it was Winston, you give that to Fearless. But ball, give that one to fate. To so. support that, like you, you, you talk about counter comps. This is the like the sh most shallow team. If we're if we go back, Dallas? yes, like this is the most shallow team when it comes to like being able to throw different looks. Well, like they, they showed more. I would argue Dallas showed more looks than Dragons did, for better or worse, and that's because Dragons. Yes, yeah, because they Dragons, have to. Well, Dragons don't have to show a lot of looks because they, they know they can just play the one comp and win. Exactly. Uh, and Dallas were forced to show more looks. Like, yeah, so you're not wrong there. But Because they can't. Uh, that's, that's the issue. Is like they, they have to, and they kind of try to, but they, they have like this woeful lack um, in a few different areas. One of the big ones is obviously like there's just a lack of hit scan that obviously other teams right. can, can lean on to. Um, but I think if we go back sure. to the narratives that we set up uh, for for the May melee, it's like we we talk about oh well maybe they don't look as good maybe they don't win if Xseed you know can't participate. Right now it's it's kind of coming back to bite Joe, them. Where well, Joe, also just mm -hmm. remember, just remember, um, fuck Yiska for throwing us off topic because we're not actually talking about the the, the Dallas Philly. We're still talking about the Atlanta yeah, right. Rain. <laughs> um, so back to the Atlanta Rain. Um, yeah, go on. Do the same thing. Do the same thing, Yiska, but talk about the rain. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I think specifically... Throw the shit off topic again. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Piss me off. My pleasure. My pleasure. The, the one thing, to, to, to kind of tie this back to Atlanta, I think the one thing that Atlanta did really well is, is not only leverage their style, obviously we can talk about how they're you know easily one of the most stylistic teams, probably in Overwatch 1, uh, Overwatch 1's history. Um... But they they used what they had and 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 that style as a vehicle to try to stop a lot of this these dive looks right. Um, I think it's it's no surprise that Dallas had to lean a lot heavier onto the Doomfists, trying to support that with the double bubble, um, to try and break through this this very uh, eloquent macro strategy that Atlanta brought them. I thought that um, I think it was Gator in the post match, um, if memory serves. 
talked about how they wanted to either out tempo them or completely just, you know, just cut the gearbox and just com- just draw the game to like a dead stalemate and force them to kind of yeah. just dive Slow into the game them. down or out tempo yeah. them. I thought that was quite clever what he said because mm-hmm. uh, I was thinking about it, I was like, man, that's actually super true because Dallas and maybe next to Shanghai, the most tempo focused mm-hmm. team in the entire league. Yes. Um, and being able to slow that down or prevent it by doing it yourself is huge because you throw Dallas off the game plan. I guess this is where we, you know, eventually will transition from Atlanta into Dallas because they also played each other. Mm. Um, but uh, to, to really talk about before we get again heavily into Dallas, Atlanta's entire game to me was their success in low bracket was yeah. how they play up against NA teams. And this goes back to my specific thread of having Atlanta over Gladstone. Trust me, that was a hard thread to make mm. because I I knew that Gladiators were the were probably the stronger team overall as far as the meta goes, as far as the playoffs goes. But I knew specifically in that one matchup, Atlanta could beat them because just because of how Atlanta are. Now, this is one of those things where like if you if Atlanta and Glass don't play e- each other at all, and we just have a competition to see which one gets further in the tournament, I might put my money on Glads. Yeah. Mm. As a team that's probably got a better read on the actual meta, plays dive, looks good on it. Uh, as a team that just won a tournament, has sick players in various roles like Kevster and Shu. Um, we can talk about the whole like role star meme where Atlanta got zero role stars and they beat all these other teams with right, heaps of role yeah. stars on them. Um, and, you know, but the problem is, is you have to think about really specific stylistic matchups where, okay, this team, people, I, I get where people are upset because I, I think there was a lot of maybe community uh, confusion about how Atlanta won. Because the entire mm. narrative, you have to remember, the narrative for the Overwatch League and for this entire tournament was that, oh, yeah, Atlanta, these like kind of meme villains who are actually not that good, but they like to dis- they like to upset other teams and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, the Shock are better, so you know, it won't happen to us. And then it happened, and then all the Shock fans were like, oh, well, it doesn't matter because Dallas Fields are going to 3-0 you guys, and it doesn't matter. And then Dallas Field lost again. And similarly, they're very confused. They're like, well, yeah. how did it happen to us? We're, supposed- we're the better team. The storyline was that we were meant to go to the finals. We're, we're the stronger team here. Um, and while I agree, you know, I think Dallas would have had a better matchup versus Shanghai in terms of being the stronger team in that regard, you, that doesn't mean you win this particular matchup. And I think you have to think about, people have to think about how very specific individual matchups work. And you forget that Rain are the best team at the Rhine, Diva, Bap, Lucio, Brawl. I, I left the DPS out there because those can be interchangeable. Sim is usually the one you put in. Sim may. Mm. Um, they are the best at that. They are simply the best team in the world at how they do that composition. And that composition is very good at taking down other NA teams, especially NA teams like Shock, who also want to who also want to mirror because Shock are like, we're pretty good at this. We can play this comp too. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good at taking down Dallas, who Dallas for the most part want to mirror. And if they Dallas don't want to mirror, um, guess what? They're not good enough at the dive to do what Shanghai did to Atlanta. They're not even good enough to dive to do what Los Angeles Gladiators did to Atlanta because I think Glads are the better dive team than Fuel as well. So Fuel end up playing zombie comp Lucio Mori. I'm like, this comp is not good into Brawl at all. So there it is. Yeah. Same with Washington. Washington tried to do that shit versus Atlanta. It's not, not, it's not yeah, going to happen. You won't do that. The, the, the pilots of that are, are where I, I attack that the most. Um, but I, I agree. Like, it's no surprise to me that the two most stylistic teams are the ones that, that end the game. 
quite literally. Overwatch 1's done. And you have two of the most, like, definitively colored teams where it's like Shanghai Dragons is whatever color you want to give them, whatever subjective Crayola, you know, hex color you want to give them. Atlanta's that foil. It's, it's, it, it is, that is how this game was always going to be meant to be played. Well, I guess if anything, you, you, you don't want a color. You want to be able to do everything. That's like the perfect Overwatch. Um, and I think, it, you know, Shanghai's the closest to that. But even then, like, they can't help but have some pigmentation. They can't help but you, have I don't a... know that you want to do everything. I, I think you get more success in this game by mastering mm. a comp and learning your counters. Um, I, would, I would agree yeah. when it comes to, like, what's possible. But I think, like, the perfect, like, the unbeatable, the machine, the whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the, the perfect game of Overwatch is probably... Oh, you're talking about like what is the true min max of all Overwatch? Yes. I guess you, then you are the team yeah. that is the best at every single composition that exists. Yes. But what and, is then sure? But the, in reality, speaking, that won't that won't ever happen. One, so yes, you, exactly. you only realistically be like the you the full mastery on one composition, and mm -hmm. then be good at other things. But you are mastered one. And Atlanta and Dragons are, are the teams mm -hmm. that master their respective comps. Yep, uh, which is why they got the success. Agree. Final thoughts on Atlanta, Yiska, before we move on to Dallas Fuel for real? I think, in general, I feel like this is a big W for the system that Sefi uh, created, or Brad created this season. Mm -hmm. So, one of the, his ideas this season was have a tight seven-man roster and not have, you know, the instabilities in, inside the team, like one wanting everyone to play and whatnot and like having to mix and maintenance stuff. And that kept them pretty tight throughout the, the traveling and everything. They even were able to uh, catch, like uh, compensate for some unfortunate circumstances with Pelican and whatnot. Um, then we, uh, we look at the, the like the sort of mentality matching that they went with trying to find players that are just like super heavy into the grind and building a team around that and having shared goals. I mean, like this team, honestly, it was a pretty underappreciated probably also due to its reputation. But like, this is a team that went to Hawaii four out of the f uh, five times it could have, right? Yeah. And went to the grand finals. Right, that like this is, this is a top three team in twenty twenty one, and it's it's probably the third best team behind Dallas Fuel and Sh uh, Shanghai Dragons, and it should probably be mentioned in the same breath as the Dallas Fuel as well, right? Yep. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of people will still not give Brad uh, credit for what he created here, but I mean, look at the profile of that of that team we have we have zero road stars on that team and he created a run-up team for four to five hawaii situations like at what point are you going to say this is a coaching effort is that not the usual conclusion you guys come to team not stacked on every position therefore uh good coaches elevate teams beyond ability to punch high this is team with not best player on each position, actually mm -hmm. zero best players on each position, 
Punch the above weight. Zero roll stars. Four out of five Hawaii. What gives? What kind of excuses are you going to come up with in order to deny uh, well, Brad his laurels? I think people like to over... It's overestimate maybe the right word here. I, over credit. There we go. People like to over credit the importance of winning a tournament during the four tournament cycles. Mm. And they like to undercredit or underestimate a team just simply because they didn't win. And you're people, people and still there's still and this pisses me off to this day and will continue to piss me off until the end of time. Um any people are like, well yeah, well Leave doesn't deserve the MVP because he didn't win the he didn't win the tournament. It's like, bro, if Shu didn't clutch up in that one moment, Shangdu probably won the tournament. Yeah. The difference of like who won that tournament yep. came down to like one moment. Yes. So just shut the fuck up. Like you don't know what you're talking. Like that's how close the teams were. Yeah. Both teams could have won that tournament. Yeah. Like it doesn't. You. It's like it's not like a. We're not looking at a binary one and zero here. Like you either won or you didn't win. If you didn't win, then you're fucking trash. Like what do you? What does that mean? Like and I think Atlanta getting second place and beating everyone else is like the ultimate fuck you to that to the, to that mm. logic because it's like because people. This is the other reason why people underestimate Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta! Didn't they get didn't they get knocked out in tournaments all the times? Or oh, they never made it to a final in tournaments. They were never as good as Shanghai or Dallas or these people. They were never they weren't even as good as Chengdu and X and Y reasons. This is why people underrate Atlanta because you look at those people. I think look at a tournament results purely by the number, and they don't watch the game. What and obviously they do watch the game. It doesn't feel like they do, but they probably do watch the game, but they don't factor in the actual context of what happened in the game. They just looked at the number, mm-hmm. and the number says one. Oh, this team, this team won. Okay, and the, the, the zero for the okay, they lost. So there's a zero. Is, they they look at things in ones and zeros. There's zero. There's no gray area. So it's either a win or a lose, and there's simply nothing that exists in between. And f- when in fact, what you should be looking at is what what does exist in between. Yeah. Because what does what exists in between for Gladiators and Chengdu was Gladiators got the one, and Chengdu got the zero point nine in there. It's not a fucking zero. It yeah. was so close. Yes. Right. You, that's how you should be looking at things. And if you actually looked at it that way, you would not have underestimated the Atlanta rain. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's all my that's my entire problem with with just like hard accolades. Because some they're not objectively evaluated. Once you got the W on record, once you got voted a roll star, you are now elevated beyond what you probably achieved. Nobody will remember you with the nuance. That yeah. is required, bro. I looked at you know I did I did a a breakdown statistical breakdown of shoe, and then also mm. related it to that play. You know how many things I found found that went completely against Chengdu in that team fight. Like when when Gaga jumps up from like from the top floor onto the lower side, he drops a um an Orisa shield right. And it gets stuck on the on top of the of the door frame. If that drops down, like Shun has never the ability to kill, kill a Veltal there, and they yep. don't win that that team fight. Then, right? Like that thing is Gaga and Veltal mistime the pull just ever so slightly, so Shu gets out of range. If he gets the pull and Veltal is in pounding range, Shu dies there. The team fight is won again. Chengdu probably wins that final. This was a sliver of a difference, and you're making it out to be like a world of difference. It isn't, right? Exactly. And yeah. 
That that's my my problem with like historic recollection. The winners write the history, but it isn't the truth of the matter, and is it, it isn't how people sh people's careers should um, fairly evaluate it. And I, I'm I'm really and this is the the other thing as well. You look at the final map of Glad's versus sorry not Glad's of Lantern versus Dallas, and Gator wins on a fucking ball versus Fearless. Yeah, mm. and people the the entire narrative. This is like such such counter to narrative, and I think people buy so heavily into narratives they get blinded by it. Like yeah, they've had the sheet pulled, they've had the wall pulled over their eyes, and they just like they go blind over this. Gator wins on a bull. Rain win on a Shanghai style on a Chengdu Shanghai style. Zen brig, ball diva tracer sombra composition like a full APAC dive. Rain win with that comp with Gator playing a ball. Pe something people said that Gator could not play at all, and he won with that. You know, and I think this is like <laughs> we we had a German general election uh, last weekend, right? And one of the candidates had a major political scandal, and everyone's like, "Why does that not matter? Why does nobody realize?" And there's a, like a saying among journalists and like people who talk about this now, uh, political uh, punditry, if you want, like. If I can sum up what you did in one sentence and that sentence isn't clickable, it didn't happen. And this is basically what, like, the situation here. Because some situations are super complex and complexity gets lost in the, in the wake of time, right? Like, yeah. Right. That's true. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, so that's Atlanta Reign, I think, uh, in a nutshell. There. They ended up being the most underestimated team in the entire playoffs and while they proved some doubters wrong and the, the final note about Atlanta I'll say is that they um probably had the most unique personalities yes. of all teams in the league as well and sure. I appreciated that I think some people will get annoyed by it and especially the teams that lose to Atlanta will be hard annoyed by it mm. because they probably feel like oh we, we lost that's undeserving we lost to a team that was undeserving though we deserve the win that's that's usually people who think that way have bought too heavily into the narrative you yep. bought too heavily into the protagonist narrative, and you, at that moment, you did believe that Overwatch League was an anime, and that's when you forgot that Monty years ago told you Overwatch League is actually not an anime. The teams that win are the better teams. Um, and that's what he really meant at the end of the day. It's like you bought too heavily into anime narrative, and you got punished by it. It's it is nuts. Like you you remember when Lip had that moment that was clipped like on broadcast where he cursed out the opponent. There was immediately yeah. like Reddit threats talking about how like how Shanghai isn't likable, and you can see that in whatever happened in Lip's comment there. It's like they they are so delusional about what, what competition is. I'm not saying that comment was fine or should ever be said, but like if you believe that that this type of behavior only extends to Shanghai, bro, I got hella fridges to sell to you, like. Uh, I don't know. It's I don't know if you said fridges or bridges, but I think both could be hard sells. Uh, right. Depending, I mean, fridges might be slightly easier. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, what can you do? It's. It's. Yeah. It. It is a lot of it is stories, and you can only ever tell the stories as accurate. And the best you can do is almost use like the the mechanism by which it's simplified and clickbait if you want the hell out of what is actually complex, right? That's that's the best service you can do of that storyline, but at the same yeah. which we did to so, a degree by being outraged about this fact right now. But um yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Same. end of the day, end of the day, I think um, full credit to Atlanta. They they did what they were best at. Um, they got into the heads of their opponents as well. And that's the other thing is like they had so little pressure on them because people expected so little of them. Yeah. You can imagine the, the pressure on teams like Fuel and Dragons and everybody else, even Chengdu to a lot of degree, you know, the pressure of having the MVP on your team, like that added up and that probably crumbled for some teams. But Atlanta, uh, Gator with his whole like, yeah, we're just a four fun team playing in a four fun tournament. Um, even though that like, it's, I think on a, on a, if you want to really break that down to where the truth is, it's definitely not true. They, they, they're still competitors. They want to win. And obviously it's the fucking Overwatch League playoffs, not a four fun tournament, but the mentality behind it is we're carefree. We don't have any pressure on us. We know we're good. We back ourselves. The pressure's on everybody else to beat us. And the deeper they go in the lower bracket, the more, the higher the pressure is on everybody else. Speaking of which Dallas field came in very high pressured. Um, mm. do you, and there's a lot of, this is the protagonist narrative. I'm not even saying that it's not, it's not even Dallas's fault. This is, I think the fan narrative that ends up weighing, that ends up being really high pressure. Um, but Dallas have first and foremost have done a lot this season. You have to, you have to look at it positively like to the team in terms of the distance they made. I think they've performed immaculately, especially considering where preseason rankings were, where people were, people's expectations were, where even their own fan base's expectations were, because based on the last three years, I mean, the expectations are pretty low. Um, Dallas yeah. came in as, I would say, as one of the clear favorites for the playoffs for a good reason. Um, if we were to give the benefit of the doubt to the Shanghai Dragons, being that them sandbagging and Countdown Cup isn't going to negatively affect their players' run, I would have extended the same olive branch to Dallas Field, and I did extend that same olive branch. I gave them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and Dallas Field came in, uh, as I said previously, very surprisingly good, like pleasantly surprised by how much they had adapted, how much they'd actually played. And as I said, as I said to you, Joe, I think mm. Dallas field probably played more comps than Shanghai dragons did probably out of necessity, like you mentioned, but um, Dallas even being able to do that was something that I didn't think they would be able to do several months ago because they didn't, they couldn't show that they really? could do that at all. Yeah. Um, so, so Dallas had, I think it was the, the defeating Chengdu first and foremost was super impressive. And then you saw the Shanghai game and you started to realize, hang on, maybe, maybe Shanghai is still just a step above. Yeah. They, they're that that's that's going to be a difficult comparison for any team, I think, moving forward. Um, even like this is going to be our Jordan LeBron. This is going to be any any kind of great comparison. I think uh, that is going to come through camp Shanghai Dragons of 2021, right? Um, and that's no discredit to teams like Atlanta, teams like Dallas, Glads, uh, you know, any any team of that caliber in the future. Um, but what happened with Dallas? Like I mentioned previously, like we, we, we've talked about that we kind of established, like it's it's a blessing and a curse, right? You, you might not have the Dallas Fuel in the position that there are today if the dominoes didn't fall the way that they did. Maybe they aren't here. Maybe they never find out that, you know, the zombie comp, whatever, you know, we're calling it these days, um, is is something they can pilot really well. It's 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 that butterfly effect that I think brought them here, but ultimately kind of curses them against some of these extremely stylistic teams that can leverage their weaknesses against them. Right. Like, uh -huh. you know, they have to be able to pull out these creative looks and credit to them. Credit to Rush. Coach the year. All like that's that's that makes a lot of sense. You see that throughout his history of a, as a coach. Right. 
you go back to element mystic obviously it's with the same people pretty much but it's it's this is an, an impressive team that did a lot in the face of extreme circumstance and it might have just been because of that extreme circumstance that they were even here today um and and i think that's extremely special and i think the fans while i think they're a little uh overboard with recognizing that um i think it is very recognizable and and impressive like yeah i can go on and say yeah well i didn't like the doomfist i didn't like the zarya double bubble it's a disservice to like what this team really did um and the I don't know the general feeling around this team. It was it was fun to root for them. They were a fun team to watch. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is great for the Dallas franchise. And yeah, there's no there's no loss here. That 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 this is not like a bad season for Dallas in the slide. It's just because they got third, right? Like it, it's such a it's such a miraculous win. It, I don't think anybody like you said. Like I don't think anybody in the preseason was kind of calling this stuff, especially. Again, like think of the preseason like APAC tournament where Dallas come out and they can't play ball worth a shit. And then the next game, they're like, all right, well, let's think, play well, Lucio Moro. They, they actually, I don't think ball was actually a, a thing for the preseason. Tracer was the, was the big question for yeah. Dallas back then. That definitely and was I, And I think one of the biggest stories of Dallas is how they fixed their problems because this is still the mm. team that despite being a top team had to overcome a lot of difficulties to get there. Because mm-hmm. they didn't have a star tracer player at the start of the year, they didn't have a hit yeah. scan at yeah. the start of the year. And thank, thankfully, thankfully for them, let's not let's be very clear about it. Dallas Fuel got also very fortunate in the in the meta as well because yeah. hit scan never ended up being a significant part of the meta. Yeah. Um, some teams tried to force it. I think the the best we saw at a hit scan was Tracer Ash, and that was mostly playing in May melee. And Dallas still got away with never doing that. So, uh, that's and. Unfortunately, that means they never got to use Pine. So Paul Pine didn't play a single game yeah. this entire season. But hey, neither did Poco. But that was you know, maybe different reasons. Um, yeah, I, I think Dallas had to overcome a ton of adversity. Yep, and it's that's that's wholesome. It's what people kind of are looking for. I think that's what this community really attaches itself to, for better or for worse. Um, and yeah. I don't know. I'm not sad when I look at the Dallas feel here. I, I I think they can wear that bronze medal very proudly. Um, they they did a hell of a job. Um, and while it may suck now, I think that this is this is going to be a big. Um, I think when we hear you know the the 2042 memoirs of Sparkle in the Overwatch mm-hmm. League, I think this is going to be a match that maybe he reflects fondly on. Like you know we can do this. Maybe we questioned ourselves before. Maybe we doubted Rush and talking about the Dallas meta. Um, but it's all true because of this season and our performance here. Um, yeah, just some closing thoughts. Where are you on Dallas, Iska? I mean, it's, I will say like... Oh, your voice has changed. Did you bump did your Go XLR? No. Like all echoey now. Your voice yeah. is like hard echoey. Yeah, you got the robo filter on. Is it gone now? No. I don't you're understand. Just, uh, you're sounding a bit like this for some reason. <laughs> Why? Like this, this impersonation. That's a really funny. It makes no like sense. Wait, give me a so second. So while you figure that out, while you fix your problems, Yiska, uh, let's talk about the prop. No, uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the fact that the Dallas Atlanta game uh-huh. that was very interesting in terms of the fact that 
one of the key, one of the really interesting adaptations that Dallas made over the course mm-hmm. of this playoffs was Sparkle Doomfist. And I, yeah. I guess I shouldn't be surprised by that because that's always been part of his kit. That's always been, I think, his signature hero has been the Doom. And mm-hmm. he showed exactly why it was going to be good, especially versus teams like the Washington Justice. Um, he showed at multiple points the the value of it. And, and to be honest, Sparkle's Doom hard carry Dallas at various points because he makes it look so good. And usually, no, I don't think Doom is, is good in the mid. I don't think Doom's a good hero right now. But when you have the best Doomfist player in the world on that hero, I mean, the guy, you can get away with it. You can absolutely get away with the Doom. Um, except then, I think Atlanta really punished it well. Because Atlanta's, one of Atlanta's key comps and one of their key adjustments was like, if Dallas wants to play Doom, Kai's going to go Kree. And Kai was phenomenal. And not just that series, the entire tournament. I think Kai would have been... Like, I don't know if you could do, like, an, uh, to me, if I could choose a, a single player that's not on Shanghai for, like, an MVP of the playoffs, I kind of want to give that to Kai. Like, Jesus Christ, the dude was so sharp on everything he played. Uh, even his traceable was pa- traceable was possible. It's not one of his errors, let's be clear. Honestly. It was possible. Uh, but Kai made Dallas's life quite difficult because Dallas had gotten success on Sparkle. And, and that Sparkle Doom, by the way, is a specific response to everybody playing Sim. And especially Kai playing Sim as well in that particular mirror. Um, but eventually Atlanta even figuring that out, forcing Dallas onto other compositions. Dallas trying to put Fearless back on the Winston. You could start to feel over the course of that series versus Atlanta, Dallas being like, oh crap, we can't beat them in the mirror. Yep. Oh crap, Just, like mm-hmm. the zombie comp's not working either. What, what, what's left? What, what do we got to rushes like going down the checklist? Like, oh, well, I guess we play Winston now. And then that, that kind of doesn't work either. And it's just like, oh, shit. It's just we're running out of options. And time. credit to him, right? Credit to Rush and that coaching staff having the laundry list of anything and everything. Like, as much as this is going to, like, seem like Dallas or like a, a comment to disrespect Dallas, it's really not. It just this is what I feel when I recollect that match. It felt mm-hmm. like they were just like winging spaghetti and meatballs at the wall, literally throwing everything quite literally and the kitchen sink at the Atlanta rain. And it just, nothing stuck. Everything, they were doing double bubble. They were trying to give, you know, a fearless comfort picks. They were trying to give all the resources a sparkle to make the Doomfist work. They were even trying to run a little bit of, you know, rush into Atlanta. You know, you look at Control, you look at uh, Hanamura for a good chunk of it. And, and it just wasn't there. To be fair. It, to be fair, Dallas did win control, and they yep. won it heavily off the back of Sparkle Doomfist. Yep. Like, I think without Sparkle Doomfist on control, it's it's not even close. Yeah, that is, by the way, also, I think, Doomfist's best, one of Doomfist's best maps mm. for Sparkle to get value on, especially the control center. Um, okay. Do I uh, work yes, now? Where's Yiska's mic at? There we go. Well, I don't know how, what you did to break it, and I don't know that. what you did to fix it, but well done. So, it's fixed now, right? Yeah, I don't know. Voice much sometimes. Um which is it turns on yeah yeah so for dallas um i think in general like it's so a i will say i have a soft spot um for dallas generally speaking because they were very professional across the season given interviews and whatnot or one of the mm-hmm. most like honestly like if, if every team was as media focused and uh let allowed as much access or rather like envy is smart time. yeah envy are great for that yeah right like it's not just me who got a ton of interviews out of them i mean um uh 
I'm blanking on the name. Sean? Sean Collins? Oh, yeah, like the in-house, like, yeah. actual beat reporter. Dallas Morning yeah. yep. News or something? Yeah. yeah. He got a ton of them as well. So um, they were just a really fun team. They, they did a, a lot to, in order to be out there. Um, and they had a great season. I think, yes, like, it probably wouldn't have mattered too much to uh, have XCI and when it was all said and done just because hard hit scans weren't as effective. And, I mean, mm. if, you, if you want to compare it to someone, then Hans is probably a player like that. And he didn't see much playtime either. Um, yeah. It's unfortunately, True. maybe possibly there is something in the meta ether where hard hits can, could have worked in some weird comp that mm. could have been made viable by a crazy good um, hit scan player. Wasn't in the cards this time. Um, but everything else, like it's it's a team that played to their strength. It was a team that played very entertaining, aggressive Overwatch that uh, nope. nobody played to that degree. Like they they just like everyone also liked scrimming them just because they were just like going in all the time. Um, but yeah, I think they just we pretty much found out their cap uh, across the season, and um, I think. Honestly, overall, my hype distribution, I feel like it's a little misaligned. I feel like almost in every, in every role, so to speak, one player of that duo got more attention than they needed to, and the other guy was underserved. Meaning, uh, I think Fearless got way too much hype and Hanbin got Hanbin way too little. Any. Yeah, Sparkle got yeah, way too much called. hype, and nobody really looked at Doha, who also had a great season. Feel like I got way Feel too much hype, and for what I thought Jexy was going to be, Jexy had actually a really respectable season. Like mm -hmm. I went in yeah. thinking Jexy was a closer level support, definitely wasn't. Definitely was better. Um, so great season by him as well. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Like this team just. Brought a lot of entertainment to this to the season while being successful. This is the archetype of an Overwatch team that we need more of. To be able to connect yep. like across language barriers while still take taking the competitive part of the aspect seriously. If every team mm. operated like the Dallas Fuel, this esport would be way bigger than it is. And Dallas Fuel, I think they're the most likable team. They're the most marketable team. Um, Shout-outs for Sparkle for getting the Dennis Walker Award. Yes. And they're the team that, you know, you, you want to root for these guys. They, they do feel like protagonists, like for real. Um, and which is also, I think, why, why the Atlanta loss is so painful, because you have the literal protagonist team versus the literal villain team. Yeah. And not only that, but the protagonist team is like the most wholesome, likable team, and the villain team is, <laughs> for better or worse, to a lot of people, like one of the more unlikable teams because they're so villainous, yeah. right? <laughs> it's mm. like you don't want to root for the villains, um, and that's why you know it's it's for for Dallas feel like yeah maybe this is maybe this is their Infinity War movie, and maybe next year can be their in game movie. I don't know, but yeah. right now, like yeah yeah, I guess Atlanta won. I guess Atlanta the Thanos and they won now. Um, to them being defeated by Shanghai Dragons, which is just Galactus or some shit. I don't yeah. know. Um, <laughs> but Dallas Field, they, they, I think the, the key question for a lot of fans would be like, 
well, what went wrong? Like, how did uh, why did Dallas lose? Why did why were Dallas not the best team either of the entire year to win the grand finals, or why did they not even make the grand final? And how did they even lose to Atlanta? And I think it just comes back down to you played up against the two teams that had the greatest mastery over their respective compositions and styles. And Dallas, in a way, almost when I looked at this playoffs, spread themselves very thin. Mm. As Joe, again, that you were saying, they played so many comps out of necessity. I don't know how you felt, but I, I don't know if I felt like they were masters of any of it. Oh. I think the one time I feel like Ma- Dallas Field were masters of a meta was in June Joust when they, played the, when they first debuted the zombie comp, but then somehow Shanghai beat that anyway with their ball. So even even Dallas's most successful meta and their most successful comp, they still lost that final. So Dallas to me were, were I think almost the team that kind of became Jack mm. of all trades, master of a none by the time we got to the end of the season. I think if we were going to give Dallas like a style grade or or to comment on their style, um, their biggest flaw probably isn't hit scan um, specifically. More so that they do not know how to play slow. They have one speed. You know how they're going to play every engagement. And they if you give them all times. Honest to God. And if they if they have to start at four, three, two, God forbid one, the fight is 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 <laughs> just <it> reverse. <laughs> you might as well neutral. put it in reverse. <laughs> like it's Dallas can't help but just throw themselves at objectives and points and fights. And True just all W commit. team, right? The Very w much. Team. And, and they did not give strong looks, even going back to their season opener, where it was very like, talk about another foil, where it's like Houston, Dallas, like if memory serves, Houston's doing all this kiting and they're kiting around with, I think, uh, Happy's McCree and they're, they're trying to kite out the Doomfist on Mecha Base. And it's just, that's exactly what Dallas was for an entire season. Yes, it was good. Yes, it was very strong. It touches on some like foundational like uh, laws about, I think just gaming in general, that proactivity is good, but like that can't just be your identity. That can't just be it. Um, And I think that starts, that vehicle is having a hitscan player to be able to kind of slowly kind of take space hit shots here poke here poke there they just didn't have that capability they didn't have that um but it's that's not what was lacking you can still do that with other heroes right you can still do that with with heroes like echo maybe farah even hanzo which doha did feature and looked quite good on it um but it just wasn't it's i i don't know if it was something they didn't scrim or if they didn't incorporate it or maybe they didn't even think it was very good uh for them um but yeah, I think that's my my one fatal flaw of this Dallas Fuels is they can they cannot deal with tempo changes. They want to dictate the pace of the game, and if they are not doing that, you start to see the spaghetti. You know come what's out. ironic? Ironically, Shanghai and maybe the one of the best tempo is even a better tempo team than Dallas, because that's that's one thing. If you talk to players, especially like hmm. what Space is saying, I play against dragons, any or anybody really. Uh, if you really really watch the dragons see what they do mm. they are the most active team at like positioning taking space walking forward not in like a divey like i'm just gonna herd a smork my way into a team but like in a way where it's everything they do seems purposeful yeah, to, lots of posture to perfection, to perfection where it's just yeah. like they are the most active team in their movements 
And in some ways, I think they're a faster team than the Dallas Fuel. Um, so I don't, I don't uh, it's definitely not like a, is it too fast or too slow kind of deal? Because Shanghai are an even faster team than Dallas, but I think Shanghai just, it, maybe this is like a hard thing to explain, but the way they move around the map and how they move their players, it's, um, it's a different they're kind fast, of fast. They're fast in a way where it's not necessarily, I'm just going to dive into you. Yes. Not that I'm saying that's all that Dallas do either. But Shanghai are fast in a way where they are in position to do the next part of their play immediately. Um, and they can be very adaptable in how and what that next part of the play is. I don't know if that's the best way to explain it, but it's like a very, maybe it's like mm -hmm. a more generalistic, simplistic way to kind of put it out there. Um, oh. But uh, yeah, that's that's Dallas Field. We, we like, geez, let's play like three teams. Um, I think the rest of the teams maybe won't be as in depth yeah. because once you once you start getting down to the teams that got knocked out first, there'll be a lot less to say. There's definitely more to say about the teams that played earlier. Um, Shock is a team that I think we got. You know, there should be a reasonable amount to talk about because this was a team that just maybe looking at can a three P be possible? Mm. You know, yeah, okay, they got knocked out of Dragons nice and early, and Dragons look hardcore dominant in that game. Shock come through. 3-2 versus Philadelphia. Is that like, I think that's a bit of an omen. And actually at that stage, yeah. for putting it close, but damn dude, like Shock were expected to be far better there. Shock barely scraped by. 3-2 versus, in my opinion, weak looking Chengdu. That's not to, um, you know, not give credit to the Shock for winning, but Chengdu did not play well this entire uh, playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah. And Shock, it was six maps, by the way. There was a draw in there as well. And Shock only got that one, the three and two. So it did seem to me a little bit like Shock were on borrowed time the entire way through. Something that was really interesting about Shock was is they ran two different rosters. They had a core of um, who was on the core roster that always played and never got subbed out. It was, I believe, Choi, Violet, and Nero never got subbed out. And then Glister Super and FD God really? were at points changed out for Arn, Smurf, and Twilight. Yep. And the Arn, Smurf, Twilight version of Shock, I believe, had a 0% win rate, at least from what I saw. Maybe they won in the upper bracket. Maybe they won... No, they didn't win the upper bracket. Maybe they won versus Philly, or maybe they didn't. But to my memory, that version of the roster for Shock got no wins. And the <laughs> version of Shock that was good was the Glisten, Nero, Super Choi, Violet, FD God version. They got everything done. Mm -hmm. Or at least as much as they could. Yeah. Yeah, I think borrowed time was uh, definitely, I think, very eloquently put. I think that sums up um, even my cracked, and cracked not in a good way, in the drug you shouldn't smoke, stay in school kids uh, kind of way, uh, where, you know, if they were going to make a run, it's ending soon. It's going to end very quick. It's just going to be a quick little flash, flash in the pan. Remember the 3P guys, maybe there's a... a and it's gone, right? Um, and credit to them, like they they battled, you know, good teams. Was it the top Chengdu hunters? No. Um, like you said, Philadelphia kind of giving them an omen. Um, I like what I heard. I liked what I saw coming into the play-ins. Obviously a reach, but I won't. I won't lie. I was a little surprised with some of the things that they were trying to do. Yeah. Um. Not not a ton of like Nero Tracer, which obviously in the past he's he's quite performed well on. I would say um, the the. Am I wrong in remembering that them running like a lot of like the 
the Winston Lucio Moira stuff, like with the Reaper quite heavily. Yeah. Shock? Yes, they did run. They just le- what in lean on better he- What in Nero's better heroes was the Reaper, to be fair. Mm. But I, I do good, not but... think Zombie is a good comp in this playoff at all. Mm. Proven by the fact that Zombie had a had an abysmal win rate as a composition. Um, but I think it's just a, it's a comfort pick for so many teams. It's just like it's easy to run. The zombie comp, by the way, is the the quintessential W key comp. I think mm-hmm. that's where Dallas get that rep- they get that reputation from as well. Like, oh, they're the W key team. Why? Because zombie comp naturally its win condition is the W key into the other team. Yep. And unfortunately, that that is also the biggest weakness of zombie. And yeah, Shock did run a lot of that across the. Uh, not not like that wasn't their only comp. They they showed a decent amount of it. Totally. And yeah. Nero's Reaper was great. But to be fit, I will say one more about that is I think they were tr- they would. This is why FD got played like because they got the Lucio in. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why FD got got so much game time compared to previous Shock is because they played a lot of Zombie. They played a lot of standard Bap uh, Lucio brawl. Yeah. I will say what this allowed was for Super to shine. I felt like he had a pretty good week uh, overall if not great um was very often even the reason why series has even got competitive or and or went their way um mm-hmm. i think like if i recall correctly and once again i shot, saw those matches through a bloodshot eye but i feel like he <laughs> even had got uh, gator's number on a bunch of in a bunch of situations um in in their match the rhyme? put a pin in that put a pin in the that cuz yeah. i'm I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. I think I think Super was probably the the better Ryan in the matchup. Mm-hmm. The Shock were the worst team worst in the team. in the compositional matchup. If that makes sense. Yep. The six v six Shock were obviously the worst team. I mean, you look at the result, but in the one v one, I think Super had Gator's number. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Now, I mean, in in the preseason interview, I asked uh, Super if he had thought about retirement, mm-hmm. and. He said he talked to a bunch of people and that he was considering it but wanted to go through for the three-peat. And I will say, like, I'm not sure what he's going for. Like, maybe Overwatch 2 has changed his... Um, or this season has, has switched his uh, idea of what he wants to continue doing with his career. I think it would be a good opportunity as well to just be an Overwatch 2 streamer, for instance. But... Generally speaking, if this was the last matches we saw of Super, I think he went out with his head held high and honestly with a top performance, at least on Ryan, um, that he doesn't have to be ashamed of at all. Actually, just... He was one of the guys that definitely performed that uh, that week. You saw his tweet, right? His final tweet after they lost was, you know, I really gave it all my all. Mm. And I I believe it. it. It looked like Ryan, he put it all out there on every single hero he played. And people are like, well, why is Super in playing the Winston when that's normally Smurf's hero? Well, remember, Shock were playing a lot of zombie as well. Mm. And, and Winston is the key tank in that, in that zombie comp. And so Super was there to be flexible to play both zombie comp and then also the Rhine. Because if you, you got Super and FD got it at the same time to play specifically those two comps. Yep. Yeah. And, and there's always going to be that map where it's just like, well... He only played Winston. So if you're only going to play Winston, then why not just run Smurf? Well, obviously, you want to have the option. You want to have the option to then run the other things. Obviously, obviously, what happened was that they only played Winston, but coincidentally, they prepared for something a little bit wider, right? They prepared for some other options, and because of those options, because those options were considered, 
you move super into the starting role. Yes. What what happened was that one result happened. But in 99 instances of that game, they probably cover a lot more bases with this pick. So they go with this pick. Yep. It's not, again, to use Avril's reference, it's not binary. Just because he only played Winston does not mean they only prepared for him to play Winston. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> I will say, like one pick that just still remains baffling is, is Tile, right? Like, yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. Is it that baffling? You, uh, it's not that weird when you consider the circumstances under which he got signed to the team last year. It was during is in the middle of a Genji meta, right? Agreed. Um, and they needed a Genji player because they felt like they didn't really have one on the team. They played him for a little bit, and then for some reason, super played Genji. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, under those circumstances, it's not that baffling. Hmm. I mean, yeah. Then I just don't know what just... the plan was. I'm I'm just so interested to see what like thirty day then. You know, like, I don't yeah. Know. And then you, it, you technically had to plus one him in order for him to still keep playing this season, right? And then you uh, still don't play I, him. Maybe Krusty had a plan. We don't know. No one knows what it is. No one knows sure, what it is. Sure, 100%. Krusty. Obviously, there was one, but it's just like, what was, what was, what was the play here? What, what, what ended, what was, what was intended to happen, but just like something fell through the cracks and it just never happened, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I think that's going to be one of the big, pandora's box mysteries right next to you know custa playing lucio or not playing lucio um but, but why but why what was what was the the decision around this what was the thought process that that's still yeah. also i get i think i get what I mean, he where he's going with between it. Uh, pine and tayo who's the better poker player and a heads up that they played <laughs> while both were benched i think i think that one of the the two two leading questions that Supporters of Shock will probably really want to ask, mm. uh, what happened to Arns in terms of his performance over not just the playoffs, but the year? Mm. And then also, I forgot the other question. I'm pulling a yes here. Maybe so let's just open the first one for now. No, I don't even think that. I don't even think the FD got Violet thing is that confusing. I think it's uh, more like, I think, oh, yeah, sorry. The other question would have been, would Shock have made it further with striker if, if, if hypothetically strike was here how would the shock have looked i think those are the two burning questions is like mm. you True. know because i think yeah. a lot of people there was there was a lot of there was some sentiment um when striker uh retired and arms came back was like oh well, it's, a, it's a sideways move it'll be fine and then now i think a lot of people are like well maybe it wasn't fine maybe that's just a cap you know that's just not correct yeah, yeah. uh and part of that to me is like, well, Arn's got dealt a pretty raw hand where uh, Widow has both been nerfed since she was last year in terms of the HP. And that's a huge nerf, by the way. And then on top of that, we just never got a hard hit scan minute. We never got a minute where hit scan was like super, super relevant. Mm. Like you can play hit scan, don't get me wrong, but it's not like, yo, you got to run a good hit scan or you're not playing the correct game. Yep. yep. Definitely did not get any of those looks. Does that change? Yeah, probably changes their placement, gives them uh, a very stable weapon um, in a roster that just has not had a ton of stability since the start of the season, if memory serves. Right. Even then. Yeah, just a lot of questions with this roster. A lot of what what happened? What ifs? I mean, Krusty posting, you know, well, what uh, 
just just a lot of a lot of things happening behind the scenes that I don't know that we'll ever see answers to. Um, but yeah, really weird. How would the team have looked hypothetically with Striker in? Could they have played a good dot? I don't know. It's hard to say. Like Striker would have been yeah. there for Trace, but I guess Galista Galista ended up being their somber player. But is that is that good enough? I mean, he was he was deep. Don't give. I think Galista played. So I think Galista in the Chengdu matchup mm-hmm. to me was player of the match. People said Choi, and Choi obviously got it because he was a menace. But Galista to me was the guy that actually shut down Chengdu's game plans. Was it annoying to have Choi eat all these ultimates? Absolutely. Yeah. But it was far more annoying and detrimental for Chengdu to have Galista just constantly hack Gaga and hack this guy and hack that guy and just destroy Chengdu from within via Sombras when Jimmu was just underwhelming on his Sombra. Yeah. Um, to me, Galista did a great job. He's still not a lip. So I still don't know that Shark could go all the way with a Glister striker, striker. duo. Yeah. Uh, does anyone think Super or Smurf would have been that good on the ball? Choi's Diva uh, was up and down this season. I think he ended on a super big high. Mm-hmm. Like Choi's Diva at the end of the season looked look like Choi in previous years. Um, and then you got Violet FD God with uh, Twilight where you have to eventually do a Briggs in. I suppose Violet's your best in there. And then I guess Twilight plays your brig, maybe? I'm not too sure. I, I don't know if that's... I don't even know if I can hypothetically look at that and be like, Shock would have it enough. I don't know that just Striker being like a god-tier trace. And that's another problem with that as well, is that I think other people caught up to Striker. I think Striker mm-hmm. was on this kind of like pedestal in previous years. Yeah. But then you look at this year, you look at Leave, you look at Kevster, and it's just like, hang on a minute, these guys have caught up to Striker. Yeah. That's just my opinion. I, yeah, no, I think we talked about it last episode as well. I, I think yeah, he's, him being illegal of his own was no longer the reality of the situation. Um, I think what I would say is probably would still take him in Tracer one v once against most. Uh, sure, he's just mechanically probably still the most impressive tracer we've had in terms of just raw track aiming, but like. The stick rate that has greatly improved over various players in the Overwatch League um, is Mm -hmm. super impressive to see. And then just like also target selection and routing is just like some just have caught up and exceeded him in in those uh, parts. Like Striker was never the most cerebral player, if you want, right? Like he made it work through superior mechanics. And if everyone is within 5% of your mechanics now, Mm. then you, you can't just like wizard your way out of these situations and i think part of what made the shock so incredible was their ability to just turn uh fights on a dime that you don't believe should be winnable most of the time through mechanical ability not necessarily through strategical prowess or like coordination of uh, individual or players together right so Mm. um yeah i don't think it I think it would have been better, just because Ants was so, like Ants was so um, just a non-factor, a non-factor because of his hero pool, presumably. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean, we also have to c- consider adverse effects, and we don't know what Ants does behind the scenes and add to the team there, and you know how that pairs yeah. up. So that that's also he he had one up. good. He, I said one. I had half a good map on Dorado. Mm. I think it was Dorado versus Chengdu. Where he mopped up on that widow. It was like giving me some flashbacks to the twenty twenty Ans on San Francisco Shock. I'm like, Jesus Christ is widow scary. Mm-hmm. But then like we got past A on Dorado, it was like, oh, it's just nothing now. Oh, like, okay, yep. Ans is 
Oz is doing nothing now. Gaga's sitting on top of him with the ball. And now you suddenly realize that that's right. Widow in 2021 is a bit of a throw. 175 HP. If I'm a, if I'm a Winston, sorry, if I'm a main tank player, so I guess a Winston, but especially a ball, I'm feasting on that Widow 24-7. And yeah. that's exactly what Gaga did. Yeah. You don't have that perch or some sort of defensible position. Yeah, you're in for a bad time. Yeah. Not a good look. Um... That comp, by the way, also forced Nero onto Sombra. Mm-hmm. That comp being when you play Arn, Smurf, Twilight. Uh, and so what Shocker doing there is they had like a Brick Anna setup with Arn's Cree, Nero, Sombra, Smurf, Winston, obviously with the Diva. So it's kind of like a weird, it's almost like a weird dive. And they were doing that against Shengdu where it's like half diving themselves and half counter diving. And there mm-hmm. was a lot of, I, I thought what was interesting about the meta was there was a lot of anti-dive compositions. Anti-dive was something that was played a lot by Atlanta, Atlanta. and what I deemed anti anti-dive is like Torb specifically. Yep. Um, and Nero is actually great on Torb because he actually played a lot of Torb as well. So it wasn't just like he just went on Sombra. But Sombra is just too good against Ball to not run. So that's that's kind of the archetype that I expected them to come into this tournament with and be the the surprise factor against the Shanghai Dragons in that that upper quarterfinal match. I I saw what they were doing against Toronto again litmus test probably erroring there um but yeah a woeful amount of like that that same similar like ryan torb mccree giving ons that pick and just kind of playing a style that kind of works for them i don't know if it fell through the cracks i don't know if scrims didn't go as planned uh, it, it's difficult to say i i think i truly believe that that i think that that this team with the players that they had probably performs a little bit better uh if they, if they I, splash that in more often i think shock also put put themselves into a bit of a corner here where mm. they the majority of the comps they ran where they found success include involved fd god which meant for the yeah. most part they had to run lucio yeah. now their violet their violet twilight comps which were more like if you look at think about their compositions uh their strength does end up being more like if they want to go into double shield with like bap zan's on option or if they want to go into the expected Anna Brig with Twilight's Anna, right? If you would put Twilight in, really, you're trying to play some Anna. Yeah. Uh, I think two of the biggest pitfalls in composition for this playoffs was mm. A, obviously the zombie comp, and B, was the Anna Winston. I think if you're playing Anna Winston, you're just playing an inferior dive yep. to Ball Diva. It's worse. It yep. is just worse. It is. Uh, and Zombie, you know what? That's just the worst version of standard BAPS. That yeah. Lucio Ryan Brawl. It's just worse. And and sadly, Shock to me got baited twice in that regard. Because those were two of their comps. Two of the comps that Shock ran the most were those two comps. And the third comp they ran was the standard brawl of which they got diffed by Atlanta on. So I think Shock might have had a bit of a misread and a mismatch in the meta. And then, you know, sadly, one the one part of the meta that you could say they quote unquote got right. They went up against a team that were the best in that mirror and got eliminated mm-hmm. by them. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is the team that felt like the master of none, but like that has the flexibility to try different things. Um, I don't they know if it's the wrong things. I know they, they tried the wrong the things, but I wonder if that's one of those conversations where it's like we know that trying to do the best compositions won't like quite literally are is is like a negative win rate like it's negatively affecting our gameplay to try and like force our main tanks on ball to try and force these right. picks so do we try to do like the 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 weird stepchild you know composition that it's similar 
but it's got some uh, weird weaknesses that just like will not win you a tournament. So where like, do you kind of put the bet? I expect the shock to dominate Chengdu, which if mm. you anyone knows me, that's like a weird fucking pred for me. I went after I saw Chengdu the upper upper flank. Sure. I was like, they're yeah. done. They're 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 boomed. They're not going to do anything more here. I expect the shock to dominate Chengdu. I was thinking three one maybe. I'll mm -hmm. give Chengdu the pity one there. Shock to me would have would should have three one. Then the fact that Shock went the full distance with Chengdu and that included draws and six mapper. I'm like, bro, yeah. that to me was a staggering of an omen for Shock's borrowed time sort of narrative that I'm putting on them as the Philadelphia three and two. The fact yeah. that Shock only barely got past these two teams, especially Chengdu, which who were hard shitting the bed in playoffs. Man, Shock were not on a way to a deep run after that, um, and. We already kind of talked a little bit last week about yes, because you you had the scrim box on shock, but I guess is this like the culmination of that, of or or like the lack of that maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know what's what specifically. I I wish I could have had more of an understanding what was working well for them that people were inclined to say they were doing well, um, and not just like the conclusions of it all, so to speak. Um, I think maybe it was having more aunts and then maybe also running a little bit more Torp. I could see. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I I I don't know what what necessarily went what went wrong. I think uh, internally, and this is an ex exception to the shock or their season in particular but i mean we we saw some of the comments uh from crusty yeah. a lot of players had a hard time and like to keep winning is some of the hardest stuff you can do and that's why they rotated yep. in new players who still had the hunger at some point you also could just get like part of the system or the social environment that you're in if, if everyone is gassed like what what can you do you know like mm. I, there's only so much uh, initiative you can force out of yourself if everyone is just suffering. Uh, yep. So, I mean, a 3P is just an unbelievable task to achieve, especially now that the competition has picked up. More variants has been introduced through patches and whatnot. Mm. I think for that, like, just like the success they had this season, yes, they didn't go to a wide warp more than for the playoffs. But um, mm -hmm. generally speaking, still ranking high, still winning the majority of their matches. I think that's a respectable result for probably like the 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 things that they lost along the way, both in teammates, mm. in uh, drive. <laughs> in... It was the friends we lost along the way. Yeah, sort of like <laughs> right. So. I don't know. Opposite, I was still entertained by the, the friends we gained. Percent. Sure. Yeah. I mean, they they go out. I think about where my expectation was for them. Yes. Mm. Which is to say, they are technically top four, but they are the fourth best team of the top four. Mm. Oh, um, yeah. And the Chengdu win as well, I think, was like the best game Nero played all season. One of the best games. Mm. If you look at the the Havana again, his Hanzo was nutty. It, that Hanzo probably gave them the victory required. I, I remember specifically watching that game. Chengdu Hunters were like a fight away from full holding A. 
had they full held A, they would have won that map. And it's another one of those Chengdu Havana strikes again. Havana just ends up being their bogey map uh, yeah. twice in a row now. But um, it's twice in a row when it's like the final map of a map six, seven, banger, whatever it is. Uh, as soon as Shock capped A, I knew it was over. I was just 100% done. So Shock got that win. And then I think unsurprisingly, they got up against Atlanta and Atlanta. Uh, beat, I think I think well, unsurprising to me, it was very surprising to a lot of people because mm. they were maybe either so high on Shock Copium for the three P, or they again more likely than not were hard underestimating Atlanta. Yeah, uh, and I believe that culminated in what was the I think Atlanta picked Hanamura, and everyone's like, why would you pick Hanamura versus Shock or something like that, right? I think it was something like that. <sighs> yeah, um, and then and then either that or Kings. I think the, the Atlanta, big narrative was Kings. No, they didn't. They didn't know. Well, they didn't uh, pick Atlanta one. Atlanta yes, won Hanamura and then Shock picked Kings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was it was Atlanta's pick because I think Atlanta were not good on, maybe Atlanta were not good on Hanamura or something like that. But then they won. They they won heavily as well. Yeah. So Shock now, um, you know, we'll see what happens because FD God posted that he's thinking about retirement. He maybe teased that he would think about coaching as well. He said that he wasn't super pleased about Overwatch too, but he'll at least maybe hold out and see what happens. I think that's maybe the sentiment a lot of players will have. Violet's thinking about what he'll do in the future as well. Um, Shock had that very tear-jerking goodbye to their tank trio, knowing that uh, in the future, no matter what it looks like, only one of them will be in at a time anyway. So the the sort of tank situation's um, a bit rough for the Shock. Oh, it's rough for everybody, isn't it? But yeah. Shock's uh, very distinct three tanks that they've had over the course of their careers together. So um, it is a bit of a sad farewell in a way. And I, I think Shock performed exactly to expectation in some ways and that's a good thing that's overall a good thing that they went to hawaii they showed up um they didn't just bottom out they were a good team unfortunately they're just not one of the best teams and they weren't the other ones that kind of weren't one of the best teams of plenty i think there were definitely teams that were hard that, that definitely played below expectation we're going to talk about them now mm. start with chongdu hunters or was some a team we've already teased a little bit here a team that played very much below expectation would that be correct oh yeah without a doubt um i had my reservations um i think those were adequately leveraged um but even then i don't think that i would have expected this to go this way um a lot of people will probably point fingers towards the support line which obviously wasn't ideal but i don't think that that really directly translated to the lack in form um maybe that did tangentially where the issues at support kind of lost or are affected the form of you know the the team as a whole uh but i don't think it was just like a one-to-one like you know vacuous comparison between like oh this support line versus a support line this one wins therefore better you know it's I think if it did affect it, it was it was all interpersonal stuff um, or or just confidence based stuff that you really can't tell. Um, so it's it's tough, but yeah, not uh, definitely certainly not the best Chengdu hunters. That's that's for that's very clear. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it, it is quite unfortunate that they had a crumbling I, like the thing is and it's very often that i run into this issue on the podcast but like i wrote, wrote a script basically about playoffs uh about a video mm -hmm. that's coming out probably on friday 
And yeah, I'm not going to give away the quote, but uh, it's very hard to maintain um, a solid form throughout the season. And once sure. again, yeah. um, unfortunately for Chengdu, doesn't look like they have optimized their performance or their uh, their form towards the end of the season. And mm. that unfortunately bit them. I don't know if it's burnout or uh, were they, are they, is this what it looks like if Shanghai or Dallas went full hardcore and count no cup and then maybe, yeah, then the playoffs. Cause let's be fair. Chengdu went full hardcore in kind of because they had to out of necessity. They needed those points. Lock up second they got to get those points, otherwise they're not going to get the seed. Yep. Um, and then they lost to Glads, which I'm sure would have been upsetting for them because they were so damn close. It would have been upsetting for either. So I'm sure Glads would have been upset as well. Totally. But um, damn, dude, was that a rough looking playoffs all around? Who where they barely beat Atlanta? To be fair, Atlanta. Yes. Okay, this is the part where it sounds weird. I you still expect Chengdu to beat Atlanta from a matchup perspective, just mm-hmm. like I expect Atlanta to beat a lot of those NA teams on a matchup perspective. Yep. Atlanta were the better team in the tournament. Chengdu were the worst team in the tournament. But the way certain teams match up, Chengdu have a positive matchup versus Atlanta, and Atlanta have a positive matchup versus the other NA teams. Let's be clear about how that works, first of all, even though I think Atlanta were the better team overall. Mm-hmm. That being said, Chengdu versus Dallas should have been a, a similar thing. However, Dallas seriously leveled up between counting the cup and playoffs. Uh, or I should say maybe Summer Showdown and playoffs because that was when the last time Chengdu played Dallas and it wasn't close. Chengdu destroyed Dallas in, Shang- in this um, Summer Showdown and Dallas returned that favor in equal measure with a 3-0. and zero. Just slapped Chengdu. Um, you talk about, by the way, the internal issues for Chengdu. Obviously, if you're wondering what we're talking about here, um, Rui, on the head coach of Chengdu on Weibo, uh, said some stuff about... Uh, Gave some insight on what was happening internally about the fact that Yuvelto was underperforming in scrims and wasn't taking practice seriously and he was benched. Uh, they gave Nisha the playtime. I'm not too sure what was happening with Monk. Apparently, from yeah. Nisha's post-match interview, Monk was not performing as well as Farway anyway. So you have Nisha Farway ended up being their starting lineup for the support line and Monk and Yuvelto both got benched. Mm-hmm. Um, and for anyone asking, well, why didn't, you know, why just play, could it have been better with Monk and Yuvelto? Well, they tried Monk and Yuvelto and that just sucked as right, well. Yeah. No matter what version of the support line they ran, all four of them did not show up, sadly. Yeah. Which is sad because Yuvalto and Nisha were both equally some of the best main supports in the league that we had at a certain point, especially during Summer Showdown. They were elite. The way Yuvalto was countering Lip, like I'd never seen Lip being shut down that hard. And, mm-hmm. I, and to this day, after that, still never seen Lip being shut down that hard because he was completely, Lip was playing the freest game of Overwatch I've ever seen in the entire playoffs afterwards. Um, I think Late Young was underwhelming on the Diva. I don't. I never had huge expectations for his Diva anyway. No. He was even worse in the Sigma. Let's not even get into it. Um, Gaga and Amon got summarily shut down heavily by all the Sombras. Glister, yeah. Doha, you name it. Everybody they played against, even like Pelican and stuff, they, they were just constantly hacked. And usually that would be, to, for a lot of people, like, yeah, but, you know, Shouldn't they be used to that? Like, shouldn't that's just part of ball gameplay, right? But it is. But your Sombra needs to be doing similar things. And Jimbo was fucking not. Fearless was having an easy game. Fearless on the ball was just doing whatever. And I was like, bro, where is Jimbo? Is he in the server? Is Jimbo here or not? Because like, it feels like a 5v6. And that's in consideration to both the the, the four supports not showing up. Mm. And then you have Leave in that first map 
doing one of the heaviest deadlifts I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah. Funny, funny thing. Leave gets some of his hardest deadlifts specifically against Dallas Fuel. Mm. You'll remember that. I think it was at Control Center. Was that or it was all over Lee Jung actually? Go if you ever want to see if you ever doubt MVP's can uh, Leave's MVP candidacy and MVP's um, how much he deserves it. Go back and watch that Dallas versus Chengdu Lee Jung Tao where Chengdu lose. But the only reason Chengdu don't get destroyed is because Leave got something like. 66% or above of his team's final blow count. Just it's just like the, there was one guy who showed up yeah. to make sure that Chengdu had any shot of winning and it was Lee. And that's why he's the fucking MVP. That's why he's the most yeah. valuable player. Remember that. The V part's important for the mm-hmm. people that don't know what MVP means. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, it, it's it's I felt I feel fucking sorry for Lee. I bet the rest yeah. of I feel the rest of his I felt his team feel sorry for him. That this is the one guy in the entire playoffs who was still playing up to his like, you know, I would say his his usual form, and everyone else shut the bed. Yeah, I dude, there were parts. Of, I was watching rewatching Chengdu, uh, versus uh, uh what was the last match they played? Oh, God damn it, uh, Shock. Yeah, against Shock, exactly. Dude, Late Young was. Donating Max at the like Salvation <laughs> Army, dude. Like that, that was that was unreal at times. Like just oh, out God. of spawn, then like on a very obvious retreat. Like this man was more outside his mech than inside, and it almost seemed like the more he died, the heavier leave went. And it's like, come on, man! Like you, you gotta get off this man's back, bro. Like once. I think, to be fair, Lady Young is excused because he did play pretty well throughout the rest of the season. Honestly, this is a yeah. performance that I expected him to have oh, when he came in. Everybody played well over the rest of the season. Yeah. And then they just, the, whole, the team minus Z pretty much shat the bed. Yeah. Which happens. It's not something I think you, I think every, every coach and every system uh, uh, around them uh, wants to try and prepare for, but I don't know that you really can. I think certain things kind of boil over. I think valleys are, are inevitable, and it sucks that it has to be in the playoffs. But again, we look at their shit. their track record; it's good. Everything is, is pretty consistent. Yeah, this is like this. This adds heavier to his MVP candidacy. Some people take away like, oh, how can it be the MVP? He's losing. Look at him getting rolled. Like, what do you want him to do? This guy's one v fucking eleven. Did you forget this was a team game? Did you, did you understand? Did your fucking brain understand? This is 6v6. And if you have five feeders on your team, it doesn't matter if you're the best player in the world. You have five fucking feeders on your team who are doing fuck all. Not even the best player uh-huh. in the world can carry that shit. Yeah, I know. What, what, what narratively this reminds me of is a lot of the initial doubters of Fleta on Flashlux, where it's like, well, they just give him all the space and they just give him all the resources. So that's his job. He's just doing his job. Of course, if you gave any player, if you gave Tavik that, he would do that too. But he has to share with all the rest of these good players. So it's actually great for Flutter that he's playing in a dog shit team. Obviously, now now you have to correct some of those, you know, more colorful language choices when it comes to the Chungu Hunters because they're not a dog shit team. Let's get yeah. that very clear. But that's... You're starting to hear those those same kind of excuses or 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 you know criticisms come up about Leaf. It's just like, well, of course he does that. Well, he's he's the best player on the team. Like they're of course they're going to pass him the ball. Of course they're going to give him all these resources. That's just, he's just doing his job. That's not valuable. He's he's just you know 
average, actually. And it's just like, we're watching separate games, guys. Just this remember, is... people people put unreasonable expectation on the sky for reasons mm -hmm. unknown to me. I don't know why people put such heavy expectation on him. It is bizarre. When they don't do that for any other player. Like, no, none of the other nine MVP candidates have ever had this level of ridiculous expectation placed on them. It's it's actually unreasonable. It's an unreasonable level of expectation. It, like, dude, other other players have shit, shat in the bed multiple times. Fearless has shat the bed more oh, times than you yeah, can fucking yes. count. The guy was fucking beefing hard in multiple tournaments. Don't get me. He just... Don't, don't get it twisted and everyone's like yeah but this guy deserves him people's like bro you clearly do not have the same you do not have the same metric for mvp if you're if you believe that and then somehow expect that leave should win a 1v11 yeah it's just ridiculous please use the same metric for every single player or shut the fuck up please yeah, yeah. Like, I, I think that'll be ridiculous the big i, I honest i don't know why i've spent brain power actually thinking about this but i think to be honest i think one of the the two biggest reasons that weirdly enough that we've already talked about of why leave gets so much like over criticism or or just weird levels of speculation on how good he is is because a we're reflecting off of an audience that logistically cannot watch all of apac they can't i'm sorry when I think of the average Overwatch viewer, and just admit you don't watch APAC, but yeah. as we found Which out, you people, should. people people don't have the people don't have the uh, you know ability to to self reflection to do that. People can't just 100%. admit oh, I don't watch APAC and I don't know what I'm talking about. People can't admit that. I don't. It's just stupid to me. Yeah, just admit you know nothing and, and shut the fuck up. But people can't do that. That's that's the first part, and the second part is they never won. That that's that's you. Literally, the the most crystalline NA traditional sports fan culture. Where's your rings, bro? You ain't got no rings. Where's your rings? You Where's your chips, bro? Ugh. If you ain't got no chips, I don't want to hear from you. Especially from a, from a, a region that I know nothing about. So he can't be that good. He didn't win anything. That's the people, mentality. People, people who don't want who have who, people who don't have eyeballs think that because they didn't yeah, see they've exactly. never seen him play. Yes. If you see, if you watch the guy play, you in your viables at work, you know how fucking stupid that is. Yeah, no, yeah. that's 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 one of those Wittgenstein's ruler situations where that statement says more about you than it does about the thing you're commenting on. You're yeah. telling me you are not capable to look at gameplay and discern yourself if that is good or not. What you need in order to understand it is to have results instead. Mm -hmm. Mind you, this is the most arguably like the most team dependent uh biggest esports of all time and that you literally cannot carry this like with any consistency whatsoever keep in mind like how many deadlifts were even achieved like six maps like you cannot win a playoff series by yourself it is not possible this is a 6v6 mm. game where you very much have limited ability to do so so I like I here's here's one vector of attack which I will allow the lip stance. You you can stay. I understand. I sympathize. <laughs> Kids nuts. All good. He got Everyone a else. MVP. He got a he got his MVP. Don't worry. He, he, they both got it in today. I make sure of it. All right. I I slipped that shit and I control the government. I'm the puppet master today. And I've slipped. 
both of that Iceland, both of those in there from fucking April, May, Melee this year. I, I sent that shit up. Don't worry about it. Uh, at the end of the day, I won because the two guys I piddled the hardest both got their MVPs. Um, it's true. It's true. You know, uh, and you I know, another paid, thing that I got, I got commissioned for that. I got paid handsomely by both players. I got a very <laughs> reasonable cut from both players from that. You know, what's was another favorite part of this interview with Moon that he recently gave was, you know, how he specifically talked about uh, Lips EMPs being a liability. Yeah. Oh, you know who, who said that back in the past and who was laughed out of the room and based on that statement alone was forever de like called an idiot in the Overwatch scene, which was Dream, right? Like, if you guys remember about um, Outlaws coach Houston, uh, Dream, yeah, yeah. Yeah. who said like, I'm sorry, but like he's great and neutral and whatnot, but his EMPs are legitimately a liability. And two, at that time in the season, that was definitely true. And it's an issue that persists and his own coach even admits being there. And then every yep. other comment, like it was legitimately the one argument, the deadbeat argument that was brought up against Dream every single time. And it, it was just legitimately insane. And it, it kept morphing into things he never said. Like um, it, it started out like with like lips, sombrise dog shit. It's never said. It's only about MPs. Lip is dog shit. That was definitely never said by Dream, dude. He was literally the first guy that found, like, um, that found out about Lip being nuts. Like, it's I I don't know this scene, dude. Like, it, information travels completely in vile I, ways. I think like disinformation and misinformation is the bane of humanity. <laughs> is like probably the most is is like the worst, like brain viral bullshit that exists in humanity is just like people's inability to actually communicate effectively and then to be gullible enough to just accept what the next guy mm -hmm. says people are critical of journalists and be like oh he won't reveal his sources his sources must be just trust me bro but you're then willing to believe just some random fucking moron on reddit you just <laughs> wanted to believe a random person now why don't you ask them for them sources they don't even have any but you're not gonna ask them you just you just take their word for it on face value for some reason how moronic is that? Like, how, how stupid do you have to be to do that? Well, um, I'm white, Avro, therefore I don't need to ask for the sources. Yeah. That um, fits mine now with them. But coming back to, and by the way, the Sombra comment's interesting as well, Sombra. because, like, historically, Lip has been, like, the best neutral Sombra, but the absolute worst Sombra for EMPs. Yeah. And people will still, to this day, fucking come down hardcore and be like, yeah, but his Sombra in in XOY tournament was so fucking bad. Like, did you see how bad the Sombra was? You just missed these EMPs. Like, bro, Lip does that every day of the week for yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And no one talks shit about Lip. But you're going to use one bad map from yeah. Leave to discredit his MVP for the rest of his life? Like, are you, are you, how stupid are you? Let's how just chalk it up as one bad hero out of a pool of 20-some-odd DPS so, that he can play. So this, this is the biggest problem I always have, is, like, use the same fucking metric. Yeah. If you if you say that that leave is trash because he's just bad in peace, my guy lip does those a million times more. Yep. So use the same fucking metric or fuck off, please. Like <laughs> be consistent for once. Yeah. That, I mean that 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 same metric disqualifies nearly all the summer players this season. There has not everybody been... has done everybody has done bad EMP. Yes, assassin is he is literally the map. He is the Fire him. Get him out of the year. It doesn't he had one bad performance? Doesn't mean he's the worst now. No, bro. You, you, some people are unbelievable at how wrong they are. Anyway, 
Uh, Leave's final comment for the year uh, on Weibo was, I really did my best. I'm like, my guy, props to you. He really did. He like he got he won the 11. He lost. The rest of his team looked awful. Uh, and the Chengdu Hunters had a lot of internal issues. Um, wasn't really pleased with any other play they brought to the table from anyone else. Leaf tried to do it on multiple different heroes. I'm not going to say every single thing he did was great. Uh, his Ash was reasonable, but it didn't look carry level. He needed something mm -hmm. like an Echo or Trace to truly 1v11 to even attempt to 1v11. It's not reasonable to expect him to 1v11, by the way. it's it, He shouldn't have to 1v11, but his team put him in a situation where, once again, it's leave or it's fucking nothing. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's the story of the Chengdu Hunters for the end of the year. Um, the best of the Chengdu Hunters will forever be in Summer Showdown and towards... Yeah, I count that cup as well. You give them that. Um, so if you want to see some good Chengdu hunters, watch that. If you otherwise do not peep, do not look at Chengdu hunters at all. The playoffs, it was bad. Don't go near it. Uh, they, I'm surprised they didn't get knocked out earlier. Is all I'll say. I'm surprised they even made it. Uh, who did they beat again? They had Atlanta. to beat somebody. Atlanta. Uh, yeah, no, they, they, and they barely did yeah. that. And they barely did that. Yeah. So Chengdu hunters, a uh, little bit disappointing. Another team that got dis they were upset. I don't know that they were disappointing, but they kind of got caught by the circumstances of the bracket a little bit. And sadly, they ran into Atlanta Reign on their god-tier spree through the lower bracket, and Los Angeles Gladys ended up being collateral damage. Yeah. Um, a team you kind of wanted to see more of. Yeah. Um, I think we, I think Avril, you mentioned it, you know, uh, earlier in the show, you know, coming in with a lot of momentum, coming in with, you know, the for as much credit as we give the dive style and as the, you know, the, the school of thought that I think is the best for this playoffs. Uh, they were the team that was supposed to do it. They were the team that uh, were, were going to be the closest from NA to kind of mirror what APAC was doing um, seemingly all season. Um, but yeah, Atlanta has, has, you know, has, has a word would like to have a word rather um, that their style is, is, very difficult, I think, to work around. Um, and Gladiator showed them a lot of good looks. Um, again, kind of going into the the double, not the double shield, but more the the double flex support looks uh, every now and then. But yeah, it was it was not to be. It was difficult. Not not disappointing, so, but so Glad's so Glad's. You know, is it fair to say my? I don't know if this is copian. Is it fair to say that if? If maybe Chengdu and Glad swap slot, no, they'd still have to run into Atlanta eventually, wouldn't they? It means that maybe Atlanta get one more win before they eventually lose where Shark lost. But uh, it to me, Gladiators probably can't make a deep run. I also, I also think Gladiators are probably the only reasonable shot at beating Atlanta in the lower bracket. Uh, not just because they literally were the only team to go two and three and make it look close, but they were the only other team that could do what Chengdu and Shanghai could do to some level, which is play a good dive. And I think that's going to be Atlanta's biggest weakness. And it showed it was Atlanta's biggest weakness because it was the only match in the lower bracket that that's, was even uh, immeasurable. But I yeah. will say now, part of me was thinking, could, could Gladiators have done better with a better bracket? No, because they would have still lost to Shanghai and they still, in the lower bracket at some stage, need to beat the Atlanta Reign. It has to happen. Whether yeah. that's early or late, they got to beat the Atlanta Reign in the lower bracket. And could they have done it? Maybe if they play that match 10 times, I don't. Yeah. I still don't know. If you play the match 10 times, I still think it's 50-50. I still think mm -hmm. it's 5-5. Five and five. I don't know. I think it's fair. I think, again, maybe you give them the, the Chengdu path. They maybe advance past Shock. But again, it's like a marginal you know, placement They win difference. one more game, yeah. and then what? They still have to play Rain. No, 
it's and that's when if if we keep a rain as a consistent threat you know they they still maintain that same form it's that's not an easy matchup for glads you need over performances you need to play above your form to be able to beat you know that that atlanta rain team that is is just on a tear they're they're performing extremely well kai is being integrated extremely well into these kind of counter dive styles that atlanta has gotten so good at that i don't know if if the double shield not the double shield but the double flex support with the Arisa look was was ever going to be valuable in this matchup um it comes down to that dive and it's just it's close it's really close as like ever mentioned um as the only match that you know atlanta really was tested in um but it's it's just off <laughs> they were tested by shang they were tested sure, so hard by sure. shanghai. shanghai gets shanghai slapped the fat f on that report card <laughs> it, it's just not worth mentioning you know what i mean like yeah. it, tested is one thing but <laughs> I, mean, I guess you could maybe Chengdu. reference chengdu yeah. but also, yes, yeah yeah they were also tested by chengdu by virtue of losing to them yeah. <laughs> and that's usually taking the tests it is but you you look at this the styles and they they play a similar style so right. like the mirror there is that the styles what make atlanta Can I, difficult to kind of this. run into if that makes sense does does gladiators win against chengdu if they, uh, uh, yeah at, at one point at what oh actually maybe it doesn't matter yeah, i'm I just gonna say, say yes i'm yeah. just gonna say yes um I think the better question is, would Gladiators have done better if Chengdu didn't already beat the Rain? So, for example, if if they if Rain beat the Chengdu Hunters, Rain then maybe beat da maybe they beat Dallas and lose to Shanghai the winners finals and they get put into the uh, lower bracket. Then Gladiators play them. How would that match up? Because part of me theorizes is a kind of wacky theory that Atlanta's lost Chengdu. Mm -hmm. actually taught them a lot and kind of fueled them up for a Maybe. dive matchup and then they use that knowledge to beat the glads now th to that you would argue well wouldn't the same thing happen from dragons well i think the dragons would dominate the atlanta's reign so hard that you don't get as much out of it i think because atlanta got close to Chengdu, they kind of it helped that helps you figure a lot of shit and beyond that as well Atla you as we now know atlanta and shanghai were heavy scrim partners during playoffs which means atlanta's exposure and their practice versus dive in general is mega high yeah so actually they were super well prepared to take down gladiators and even then it was a close game mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's unfortunate in the sense that um i i don't think i've i got a good grasp of where gladiators were this tournament in terms of like their power levels mm. it's it's unfortunate because you you kind of got the appetizer through Countdown Cup, what this team is uh, capable of. Of course, yes, in the absence and in the apathy of Shang Shanghai. But mm. I don't know. Like, I feel like if they, they had also like got the ball rolling, um, I think, for instance, they would have probably also beaten Shock. Um, yeah. They would have beaten quite a lot of teams this weekend, but now that they unfortunately just ran into two walls, it yeah. looks pretty bad, even though they would have top probably four. been one of the... Yeah. I think mm -hmm. top four. I think yeah. Glad's got quote-unquote unlucky because they lost to both of the tournament finalists. 
Yeah. But if it wasn't for that, I think top four. Yeah. And it's a comfortable top four, right? I think as Yusuke is kind of alluding to, like San Francisco, if we if we deviate these teams outside of a bracket and we just kind of power rank them, you know, pre and post playoffs, I, I think Gladiators is the fourth team. Um, I think they did get unlucky. They, like you said, they ran into the two finalists early. And I think it's very clear that like they situate very comfortably in that like fourth place outside of the podium, but good enough to kind of get a deep run in. Um, like if you swap gladiators in Dallas, what happens? You know, like theoretically, if you swap their positions in the bracket, um, Glads, in Glads versus Washington, I see Glads. that being a Glads win. Easy. Glads versus Chengdu. Yes, Glads. you pose that question. I think Chengdu have been shitting the bed in playoffs. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think Gladiators would have just been maybe it's a different matchup. It's hard to say because it's Chengdu playing a mirror, maybe they're more comfortable there. But uh, I'll give benefit of the doubt to Gladiators because I've been quite low on Chengdu for this tournament. Mm-hmm. And then they'll go up against the Shanghai Dragons and win his finals. They lose that, they go down to low bracket. Maybe they still lose the rain, but then they finish third, right? Yep. Same as Fuel did. So, um, it's that would be better either way, but. I can see Gladiators finishing as high as third. Yeah. Give them a good bracket. They can get there. This is just probably one of the worst ones that you could give them. And yeah, it doesn't reflect. And I'm what, not, and uh, I'm not saying showed. Dallas got an easy bracket because, you know, they credit to them. No. They, they got the wins they deserve to get and all that. But um, yeah, Glad's, Glad's probably, I think, I think there's a, there's a multiverse where Glads mm-hmm. did beat Atlanta because it was close enough to. By the way, Atlanta and Glads have gone to Mat Five like four or four oh, different wow. times yeah. this entire year or something like that. Uh, so, so I and I that's the other thing of where I knew I knew Atlanta could win that because I know that they've gone to Mat Five versus Gladys all the time and they've had they got a pretty good record versus Atlanta uh, Glads in that Mat Five. For what it's worth, everyone remembers the Nepal where Kev's to went fire. That will mm-hmm. always be that will always be one that haunts the Gladiators. I'm sure. I'm sure this one haunts them a little bit more, but. Um, yeah, there's a world where gladiators actually do win this, and if they do, what happens? I do. Do they beat the shock? I probably think they do. Do they beat? Do they beat Dallas? There's a high. There's a likelihood. Maybe. If they beat, Dallas, they actually go to the grand finals. Yep. It's definitely possible. Crazy? Is that like? No, not at all. That's, I think it's really it's close right? enough. Very reasonable. I think that uh, there were some brackets that I saw that that definitely sh- kind of showcased that, and I didn't hate it. Yeah, there's a lot of lines here. There's a lot of like predictions that you can make for this playoffs in particular that are like reasonable. The way that you have the bracket going, you assume this team kind of, if they beat this team, then they have to be on good form. So they advance a little bit farther. You give them a little bit more credit. Um, I don't hate Glad's in the final. I don't hate Atlanta in the final. Dallas, of course, like that's the the, the expectations. But yeah, there's there's not too many ways you can kind of have weird hot takes. Um, who was the team, by the way, that kept trying to match Glad? I think it was Fusion. Must have been Fusion. Mm-hmm. Another team that tried to match Gladiators in that uh, double, double shield uh, nope. matchup, and it's like, bro, you can't versus Shoe yeah, Skew. No. When it's they can happening. go Map Zen, no, guys, you can't. You had you had Alarm, no. Funny Astro on. Um, Funny Astro tried to go Zen at one point. It's like this is not gonna work. Oh, then he goes uh, Mercy. Yeah, so Glads, I think, had, they were, can I say that Glads were maybe the best double shield team this year? Yeah. Um, By virtue so I, of that support three, line. Yeah, three teams that really, quote-unquote, mastered. I, the only caveat I'll have is I think Atlanta also played a, a really well a double mm. shield. That was one of their looks. 
So I don't know if I want to say Gladiators mastered it, but I think they were the best. I won't go as far to say they were the master of it, but they were the best. So Shanghai were the clear best dive team, uh, Atlanta were the best brawl team, and Glads were the best double shield team. Maybe we, we can say that. very safe, yeah. Um, and so Glads had some good looks. I think, I think versus Atlanta, um, it's just... <sighs> How did they actually lose to Atlanta again? to think back on it was if it was a comp thing or not but it something didn't feel like it they ran their typical dives yeah they ran their yeah. normal dive compositions and somehow that wasn't strangely good enough to get past atlanta's brawl and their lucio looks um and this is the one thing that baffles me and i don't want to do this whole transitive property thing mm. where i did, uh, maybe la glad is just that much worse than shanghai i guess the answer is yes is shanghai invincible but Shanghai's die versus rain was like a fucking kid in a playground. It was yeah. a walk in the park. And Gladiators playing the same die versus rain, it looks so hard for Gladiators. Just not on the same level. Again, that's just kind of praise towards the Shanghai Dragons. That that is a special team. Um, and Gladiators are good. Don't get me wrong. This is not kind of shade towards any kind of or any one individual from the Gladiators. I think they had a bang-up season. Again, as we mentioned, I think they could get as high as third, maybe even get to the finals. But that stylistic matchup has plagued them all year, and it's no surprise, like Avril had mentioned previous, that uh, it, it goes Atlanta's way in the final map. It's That's a tough one. That's, that's, a, that's a demon they just kind of failed to overcome. It also says to me that Lanter actually did learn, again, off the loss mm. to Chengdu and also scrimming Shanghai, how to play versus dive by not really changing too much of their own. I think in the post-match interview, they literally said, yeah, we just kept forcing Brawl until it didn't work. We just kept forcing it, and they and, and won them the game somehow. And what you'll notice in the Shanghai game is, on the, I think everyone remembers Numbani. Everyone remembers Hanamura because that was the one that glad it is won, but I think Numbani was more impactful in showing where Shanghai were, because it was a fucking full hold. Not that we don't, we see, I think the map you get the most full holds on is 100% going to be Dumbani, but yeah. they shut Kevster down. Like, Kevster got annihilated on that map. Shanghai were all over Kevster that entire time. And I think once Glad's won that Hinomura, the rest of the series was in the bag yeah. for Shanghai to just come back big time and say, mm, we're angry now. And, and angry Shanghai is a dominant Shanghai. They full hold both Dumbani and Havana. And those two maps after Hanamura were not close. Yep. And I think, as previously mentioned, you know, Shanghai, not not fantastic uh, historically on 2CP. I think they give some yeah. interesting looks and they have some some odd strategies to kind of uh, make up for the fact that they're a little uh, weaker on there. Obviously, um, Moon coming out and, and also kind of agreeing with community sentiment. That's like, look, yeah, it's done and done and dusted now. So yeah, I think I can say that you know, two CP probably are our weaker matchup mm. of the of the multiple, but and Hanamura their weakest yeah. map, oh. and, and people were incorrectly saying like this was an okay map for dragons is not. If you, I remember, I think I said this last week. So yeah, I remember specifically saying on a cast while casting Shanghai Dragons, this is not. Then they lost Hanamura badly to another APAC. It was like this is not a good map for Hanamura for Shanghai Dragons. If you're an any team, you're watching, you probably want to pick this map versus them. And then straight away in the next tournament they did. I'm not saying they listened to my cast, but like if you just watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, they have so that specific surprised. A setup, and if that fails, it's a it's a wrap. You win. Yeah, which is why you know when you go back to um, Shanghai versus Atlanta, where it's just like 
Well, you know, Atlanta basically Atlanta basically got all the good maps. Outside of Elios, they got Hanamura, Kings, Havana, the three ideal maps for them after Elios, and they lost all of them. So it's not like Shanghai got an easy run in terms of the map pool. Atlanta got all the, the maps they could. Um, but yeah, Gladiators were, were a, a team that I had high hopes for. Um, that I think had a high potential for a top four. Any any final thoughts on Glad Yuska? Nah, I uh, yeah. Again, like they just ran into two walls, like two um, finalists. So, what can you necessarily do? Of course, you can beat them, and um, but otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for this season, to be honest. Yeah, it, it disregard the and I'm speaking to the NA sports fans here. Uh, disregard your initial knee-jerk reaction to go, if they're not first, they're last. Where's your chips, bro? This is a team that did not reflect what they were capable of due to circumstances outside of their control. Um, this is a great team that had a, a, an impressive season um, in the face of a lot of adversity coming in, you know, not having Kevster initially, bringing him in, you know, facing a lot of expectational woes if that makes sense you know holding this this is a team that is held to a very high regard but never really kind of makes it i think this is the season where they made it and um don't let that this don't let this playoff performance kind of stand in the way of that and they also had no identity early on they didn't yeah. are we playing skewed are we playing moth what's our comp are we doing brawl are we doing dive what they mm -hmm. had no identity they didn't figure that shit out until later on when they did realize hang on a minute shoe skewed is pretty strong let's just keep doing this yep. um and yeah, people people would probably discount Gladys being like, well, you know, they should have beaten Atlanta and Shanghai. Then we're like, well, actually, they could have beaten Atlanta. Mm. It was that close. They probably could have beaten Atlanta. And if they did, we'd be living in an alternate reality where maybe Gladiators come fourth, third, who knows. Uh, but uh, that'll be done. That'll be done for Atlanta now and um, hope to see them do well in the future. Mm. Moving on, we kind of teased a little bit, but Philadelphia had a pretty close game versus shock and mm. not so close game versus philadelphia versus glads actually where uh, i did mention one of their matchups was they went for the double shield mirror and you are just not going to be shoe and skewed on that back line when you are not running your own double flex support uh nothing against funny astro he's a great main support but you cannot put this guy on his end and another map i think another uh maybe not another but another fight they had funny astro start on a map an alarm goes in, which makes Same, more yeah. sense because Funny Asher probably is better on the map, but still, you're going up against probably the best double shield team in the game, and it's not going to go well for you. So Philadelphia struggled on day one, and that struggle did not end for them. They did better on day two, but uh, yeah. Yeah, this is, um, you know, I'm, I'm happy that we got to see a little bit of Rascal um, for my own selfish pleasure, um, seeing Bird Ring and Rascal beating in the end of overwatch one much like they started to form the initial narratives um at the beginning of overwatch one so i thought that was you know nice and kind of quaint um yeah philly's a weird team they they do weird things uh the may was a choice i thought it was kind of creative and interesting but it also draws rascal into the pool which means you really can't do much else but play may uh the genji was pretty dismal um it, it surprisingly enough took the shock deeper than than i kind of gave them credit for um i didn't think they were the worst team and i think in hindsight i think well i, I won't i won't speak for you guys would you say that uh 
it, the the bottom two were kind of situated ha, ha, like in your mind that way where like justice yeah. is very clearly mean? the worst yeah and philly like yeah just maybe a little bit step above but like not too far off yeah well yeah philly had a close game versus shock i guess Washington being dominated by Atlanta is not a surprise. They got no. one map versus Dallas, which is actually not bad, but yeah, well, Philly did better. I don't know if I want to just be forehead and say that Philly did better in the overall playoffs. You give it to them. Matchup-wise, it would have been interesting just because it's mm. it's a very different game. Uh, Washington still are just a different type of team. Oh, for sure. I, I don't know. I think the shock game gives, when you look at Philly's opportunities they had, um, somewhat of an okay matchup versus Shock. It's like almost strange to me. Where is it because Philly's dive was because Philly showed some reasonable dive. They played some of the Summer Tracer okay. stuff. Um, okay actually, Carpe yeah. shot a big. I think I think the one biggest takeaway for me from the Fusion game mm. was that Carpe actually came up in this matchup, and Carpe is one of the more criticized players in the league because. Yeah. You, Joe, you talk a lot about this NA Andy, like, you, where's your chips, bro? That's always the argument versus Carpe at the end of the day. It's like, well, he's got zero chips. He's been around since day one. He's no, they'll, they'll constantly remind you that, uh, you know, World Cup is equivalent to a championship. Um, so don't worry about that. I, well, the, the people defending Carpe will say that. And the people, people, <laughs> people trying to tear down Carpe will, will claim the opposite. Yeah. Um, but. To be fair, I think Carpe might have been one of the better players, if not the best player in the mm -hmm. lobby yep. yeah, fusion yeah. that day. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Which you want from your alleged MVP type of play or franchise, player. franchise player with your yeah. captain, your star player, whatever you want to call him. Yeah. He yeah. is both, probably. Yeah, no. And I think it was important also for Carpe's legacy just to show that uh, in this playoff run because if he just unceremoniously walks into the night, this look too good dude like i to to your credit there to that point like i think this is a, a bookmark that philly fans are going to have to remind people of you know when we talk about the history of this franchise and maybe even carpe's history saying like oh well they should have got rid of carpe it's like time and time again this kid kind of comes back and actually does prove that he deserves a spot in this league for sure um among some of the best teams I mean, yeah. um yeah he has valleys of course that, that's irre like you can't argue that but I think there's going to be a lot forgotten in the, 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 the dust of time, if you will. When you look at this match in particular, I think this is a great example to kind of throw and wave, you know, wag in people's faces of, of what Carpe can do. Is that what he brings all the time? No, for whatever reason. That I can't speculate on. But what I do see is that his tracer leading into the playoffs was pretty uh, not good. Let's just not mince words. Um, and this was a fantastic performance by him. You call it what you want, but it's it's still there. You can still kind of count on him in, in certain situations. I don't know why it's inconsistent, but um, that's where the argument needs to be. The inconsistency, not necessarily that he's just flat out bad. It's such a weird team because yeah. there will forever be the team that should be good, but was for whatever reason, just a little bit average. Mm -hmm. um, like all the pieces on paper and this is I'm just gonna it's really preaching to the choir with this comment but it's just like you know I they all they played reasonably well they all played just reasonably well um, and this is one of those games where maybe Fusion could have actually beaten the Shock but yeah. 
I mean, I what's funny about fusion in this matchup is it is the most fusion, quintessentially fusion thing to give their fans hope by taking it to a map five and then just losing that map five. Yeah. I even remember watching this and co-streaming this game and be like, wouldn't it be funny if Fusion won this, but then just like hard choked map five and that that's just like the 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 most traditional fusion experience thing possible. Yeah. Um, but they didn't they went fucking around with their rosters this time around. I had a lot of critical things to say about their a day one performance. I already went over that in the last week, last week's episode. Uh, and then day two, they played pretty much only Carpe Eco. They had a little bit of Shockwave in there. I don't believe they played Rascal again. Um, and, you know, Fusion, to me at least, were brave enough to say, yeah, we fucked up day one. We're going we're gonna to fix this by being a little bit more consistent with our lineup for day number two and played our strengths a bit more. Um, and dare I say it, it was, it was well, obviously it was a better look because they had a better result um, against arguably... No, not a harder team, but like a hard team still. Like I still should say, Shock was a team that was deserving a top four, so it's still a, a, a challenge, right? So, Fusion, in a way, I think go out with a bit more of a bang than a whimper. They still go out with a zero two in playoffs, which is no one's going to be happy with that. But the way they lost versus Shock is is at least something where you know Carpe got the show his best. Fusion got to be a bit more consistent in their gameplay have a consistent uh, lineup play the entire way through. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you can't ask for much more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, it's... What you can do? It, it must be super tilting to have this... This, this last season. Uh, I, I mean, who knows what's happening next year. Right? Sure, like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. To come this, this close last year to arguably... Upgrade in a bunch of positions. Um, to hope to get everything together to finally, like, have another shot at a championship, and then this, like, the these visa situations, and to a degree, I have to say, like, I guess this is homemade, even though the Overwatch League probably heavily enticed you to make that move, but like going to Korea this late into the process, um, it, it still must suck. To just like have that, like I don't know what where what the this team's ceiling is if they actually can stick together for an entire season, have everyone there, and then just like keep improving because we we saw that some teams have had inter incremental improvements over mm -hmm. the season, and yep. for actually like teams to be reckoned with in the in the end, right? So yeah, still one of the bigger what ifs in Overwatch history, MMO. Uh, oh, fine. easily. Here's a what if that can be answered. Anyone asking like, oh, would Poco playing automate a difference? Nope, because he had not scrimmed with the team. He he just yeah. only arrived in Korea recently. Yeah, yeah. I don't, he wouldn't have been ready. Nope. But I appreciate they brought him over. And some people, the other people might ask, well, why even bring Poco over? What's the point? Why well, he came over just to watch two games and then go home, I suppose. But um, I commend Fusion for their commitment to getting that yep. team together, even if it was brief. Uh, and that says a lot about the org. The, the T1 Fusion org is an org I have a lot of respect for. I think they're one of the better orgs. They're committed to to building good rosters, um, having good pay for their players, committed to, you know, bringing their team together. Uh, if you're going to move to Korea, committed to getting everyone there and having a facility, a T1 facility is all nice and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know, they they 
they did the best with what they could. It's just weird and, and upsetting how the season finishes and how the season goes because they go from a team that's kind of like reverse in a way where they start strong. They had that 4-0 start, like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. And then it fizzled. Like, I don't understand. Like, usually teams start bad and they get better, but this team started good and they... I don't know that... I don't want to say they got worse because I think other teams also got just better, got, but yeah. they definitely didn't reach pace. that height again. They never reached that same height again. Nope. Again, kind of similar to the Gladiators. Yeah. A lot of this outside of their control. Um, I know that's not what fans want to hear. Uh, I would love to just sit here and lambast them, um, but that's A, not true or fair. Yeah. Uh, this is a team that, if given the time, can, much in the same way that the Gladiators did, find an identity that works for them, find these, this roster, find stability with the core, um, and, and genuinely show, arrive to this playoffs a different team and maybe even beat the shock, maybe even challenge the Gladiators a little bit. Like th- This is a different team if you, if you give them a fair shot. So a team that I think got a very fair shot and had the entire team together. You, you yep. know where this is going. Yep. Uh, none of those issues. Nope. Fully in NA and yep. the practice facility. Every single member present. Uh, What's no that, internal Joe? issues that we know about. Joe, Joe was just uh, recording like a TikTok live. You know these? Yep. Nope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, as we head to the the end of the podcast now, where we said, oh, "What was the thing at the start?" I was like, "Oh yeah, we'll probably just spend ten minutes per team." And of course, we spent half an hour per team instead. Yeah. Um, is obviously the Washington Justice who get into the playoffs. I think I have high hopes. I, pro- I'll be I'll be honest. With you. I I have a good relationship with the Justice. Um, hmm. and I applaud the effort they put into the team. Sure. Um, they're serious about the team. They want to improve. They want to get good results. But for whatever reason that slip they had a similar 4-0 start maybe got exposed in the play-ins couldn't quite make hawaii never made hawaii for the rest of the year until the playoffs they got the playoffs um and you know hoping for the best maybe and you look at where we ended up okay one win on lee jung versus dallas they lose the other maps i think they got kind of owned by the sparkle doom here and yeah. at washington to me ended up being one of the more one-note kind of teams where we're just going to play this, and this is what we're going to play. And I, I remember reading a comment, was either from Pre or Supreme, or maybe a combination, was that they played what they believed would give them the best chance of winning. And honestly, I can't fault them for that. No, of course not. Did they look one-dimensional? Yes. But did they believe that doing that was going to give them the best chance of winning rather than spreading themselves too thin? Absolutely. And I got to say, look, if that's the way you got to go to to have your highest percentage chance of winning... That's the way you gotta go. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, they were they were not flexible and they were not good enough at the comp they were trying to play, which is a combination of zombie and also just standard brawl. Uh, yeah. Um oh, true. They, that did not get them across the line. But yep. because they played against Dallas, who are a better zombie comp, and probably also just a better, better brawl comp. Team. And then Atlanta, who are just a significantly better brawl comp, better brawl team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah, think there that's... was anything salvageable about their season at no. that point, right? Like they almost required a wacky playoff pledge in order to come back and make up for the distance <laughs> they had between themselves and the rest of the league, I think. Yeah. And I like I agree with maximizing their uh win percentage towards the end of the season was the right call. Mm-hmm. It just like a lot of people might not want to hear this, but a lot of what happened last week was predetermined by how the season went like atlanta was never going to beat 
Dallas after they com had committed to their compositions. Uh, sorry, not Dallas, Shanghai. Washington. Yeah, no, oh. uh, Atlanta was never going to beat, be Shanghai. A, beat Shanghai with the strategy that they committed to. It, it's just yep. never going to happen. No. Right? Like, but they were going to fucking destroy all the other NA teams. Yep. Yes. Just, to, just to, as Gator said, you know, farm some salt from the nerds or some shit, whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, so I don't know. I think uh, they did the best they could to get the most out of the season. The fact that they even got here is already a minor victory. It's impressive, yeah. For them. Um, I think that they definitely stayed below expectations for the um for the stackness of this roster. But mm -hmm. I mean, what can you do? Everyone was like cracked out of their minds this season, so I mean, yes, everyone was cracked out of their minds. Obviously, you have to be, you know, a very competitive Houston Outlaws to even get here. Um, and and a, a difficult match for them, to be fair. Um, and it's not the, the decision of the compositions. It's not the strategy. Uh, that's all commendable. And I think um, I wouldn't fault anybody for doing that. I think for me, it's kind of what Avril's preamble summarizes is the lead up to here. When you kind of look and, and you you peek through your hands and you look at this roster, you're like, oh, the team looks pretty okay. Well, let's look at their record. And it's not even remotely close to what we assumed was going to be the possibility. The fact that the Philadelphia Fusion and the Washington Justice kind of end with similar placements is not good. I'm sorry. When you have a team that is ravaged by visa issues and a team that, you know, Let's just say, let's just argue from a... Did uh, not get ravaged by visa issues. No, and maybe even <laughs> we can argue placements here and there and, 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 you know, punching power individually. But on paper, kind of a comparable roster did not show up at all throughout this season. I don't know why. I won't speculate as to why, but this... <sighs> that's not good. I'm sorry. It's just not. I don't Joe fault Wiseman. any of the decisions. I would you're love. To, you're gonna have to speculate why now. <laughs> I, I it, this um, team never felt like a team. If I, you want me to speculate, this team never felt cohesive ever. It's so strange because I I, I can't remember who I had this conversation with, mm. but Mag, I don't I don't want to say that he's a ruined player, but it's just like the guy to me was a stronger preseason candidate for rookie of the year in terms of like where oh, they yeah. were contenders, how good they were contenders than Pelican easily. Easily. Um, yep. Because Mag was like the fearless of contenders mm -hmm. in terms of how hard of a carry he was on a main tank and in regards to like how hard you could, main tank is not a carry role for, for at all, by the way. So if you can do anything to make main tank look like a carry role, you're pretty much a God yeah. uh, and fearless and Mag were, were doing that in their respective you know, dominations of both Fearless doing that in the Overwatch League and Mag doing that in Contenders. Before mm. saying, before anyone says, says something stupid like, oh, Contenders, lol, uh, just remember that top Contenders teams like Mag was on are very comparable yeah. to the Overwatch League teams. So, yes. uh, again, don't say anything stupid like that. So, yeah. And then Takei, again, Takei, I don't know what happened to Takei because he... Uh, the playoffs to carry never happened. I don't think the meta was really fit for that. It's no. not like you're going to see Decay come out on Azaria, you know, pocketing a hog. Uh, it's just not going to happen yeah. here. So you didn't have this miracle Washington playoffs run like they did last year. Uh, there was no patch for that to happen. Decay played what again? He played Sim, Pre, Sim, Reaper, Is that Pre, it? Reaper, 
Something so he like played that, like yeah. three picks. To be, fair, I think, I think he was more. If, if anything, he was more of a meta slave because yep. Washington were very keen to only play those two comps again. I'm not going to fault them for that because that's what they believe that they gave them the best chances of winning. If anything, that they did other things, maybe they would have looked worse. Yep. But the K was definitely not put in a great position to be the Dakari. And I also don't think the 1v11 approach is the smart way to play the game anyway. I mean, fuck it. Chengdu can only go, go so far doing that themselves. <laughs> um, and if you want to... The thing is, like, Justice were like a good dive team at the start of the year. Mm. Remember, they played dive. And they played dive preseason because they scrimmed Korea. They... Their whole team was in Korea in the whole preseason. They were hard screaming Korea. They were getting good at dive. And the the Dakari tracer was going to be the thing. And then he just like, it just never really manifested. We never really got to see tracer comps be Washington's bread and butter. And you never got to have Decay on that hero. And if you don't have Decay on a hero like that, he's never going to deadlift his team. Yeah. But that's, that, that, then that's also like a, I don't, it's not a cash 22, but it's like, it's, it's, a, it's another thing. It was like, do you really want the K to be on one hand? You do want the K to be your one V 11 player, but do you really want to be a one V 11 team? Cause that says a lot about your team. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't think it's any one person's fault. I think that the, the draft of the team was good. I think this team had a lot of expectations, rightfully so. When you look at mag, like Avril said, he was putting up numbers. That was, you know, impressive. Uh, it it never came to fruition ever in this this season. If anything, it was just an immense amount of valleys. Um, and this team never seemed to gel. Cohesion was just absent. Um, and yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. Um, I respect them for doing a lot of the logistical work to build this team the way they did, meaning like getting all the players here, having visas acquired, getting them here early. Um, and I expect a lot out of them growing in the future. When you look at this franchise through the lens of Overwatch 1, it's not great, um, and I think this is probably their best look and their best foot forward, um, and yeah, I expect an improvement um, to whatever next year looks like. Um, I think they have the right, the right idea, let's say. Yeah, to carry in a 5v5 on a on a boosted sombra, I guess. Sure. Um, yeah. I also look at this roster construction in a way where, like, I I think at, at minimum half the roster should have been star studded, and that's the decay mag fury part of it. Mm. And the other part of it is just kind of like, well, I don't know. Role like, players. Assassin was a good player in contenders, but never like a truly top, top, top player mm. like uh, Mag was. Um, I think we all know Baby and Closer are like okay players they're not carry players and maybe that's a bit of a pitfall for the team as well because as we get through the season and you start to see the lee on these yakis you start to see the shoe skews true, true. Uh, it's it's kind of like hang on a second maybe you do need some like ridiculous you know uh support players. you even had alarm uh lee, a funny astro for you know on, on the fusion side which mm-hmm. was doing work for them but i think especially versus a team like atlanta rain where and part of having a, a solid brawl team that can play a bunch of the stuff to the highest level. Iris and Master are ridiculous on the rolls. Iris is like one of the best baps next to Shu. Um, some people do think that Iris is better than Shu. I'll I'll leave it up. You know that the jury's out on that one. I don't know. I think they're both great. Master to me, I think has been one of the best Lucios next to like Lee Jagon. Um, Master, I think has had a, he's had a better year than Funny Asher. I think Master's maybe even just been a better Lucio player than Funny Asher this year, which is potentially a hot take, Crazy but I don't think it's that yeah. hot. I think Master is like oh. fucking dominant. He's actually an incredible Lucio player. So when you actually examine that matchup, 
and you start examining, okay, we got Pelican, Rookie of the Year, Kai, who has just been on an absolute tear the entire playoffs, Gator, the inventor of goats, and Hawk is like an incredible player that's really stepped up on the Diva role. Really, the entire Atlanta Reign squad is just stacked for that matchup. And you look at Justice, like, well, they got the carry on the uh, on the Sim who's doing some work, but if he goes down, I don't know. I don't know if I trust the other five. Yeah. Yep. Much. And the K didn't have a bad season either, right? Like, I think no. he's uh, first in kills per 10. Like, he, he still got his killing blows in. The thing is, like, you can only do so much, and it's only so impactful depending on the meta situation, right? So, the K is still in lead player. Um, still on an island for a lot of his play. <laughs> and if, if that works for you, fine. It's almost like more like a striker play, level play, I would think. Um, who decay? Yeah, I did it on more heroes though. To be fair, like he generally is pretty good on five heroes. You can give him each season, and you will probably play them to an elite to great level. Mm. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I it is a little disappointed because of course I thought they were going to be like third in NA, like one of the most impressive teams. Um, it's also like the question is how. How well does a roster like or players like this transition into Overwatch 2? I would I would think like for instance, Mac is probably one of the main tanks that will probably uh, transition uh, one of the best uh, in mm -hmm. terms of the main tank. If he can turn it around, yeah, yeah. Um, he's been one of my biggest disappointments this season. He's got to turn it around for that to happen. It's a gut Dude, punch. This it season. is. It's absolutely nuts that Mew's had a way better season than uh, Mac, right? Isn't that crazy? Well, Mag was what Mag was like, in my opinion, considered to be much better than using contenders. Yes, 100 percent for sure. And that that's why it makes it so nuts. That how it's a team thing. Maybe Gladiators was just with a with a better team in terms of the overall everything about the team. You yeah. you can say coaching environment, uh, environment in other ways where like practice culture. I don't know anything. It could be yeah. a bunch of different things. I don't know how you. I don't want to say ruining a player is like quite heavy-handed it, it kind of does feel like mag got ruined though like this one i always go back to because he was so good in contenders yeah to the point where he he anybody that can 1v11 on a main tank is fucked up like that's you gotta be a, yeah. you have to be a prodigy to do that and yeah. he was a prodigy like just he pure was. mechanics you cannot doubt and how how did fury go from being like a top 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 off tank player to just being dare i can i say he was somewhat invisible Oh yeah, Justice the most, the, the most mid was yeah. like dude, Fury was so average. Like, how did how did Fury go from top to average? I don't understand. Yeah. Um. I mean, the rest I can understand is like I I don't think Baby yeah. and Close were ever hyped up. Assassin, not really hyped up. Decay is pretty hyped up. Would you say Decay got ruined? I don't know. Like he still actually Decay still no, showed up. Like you well. said, yes, sister. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you know this concept, Avril. Like. I coined that, or I looked at this concept and coined it called Scheinriese, which is a German word for like a fable character, which is like someone that looks gigantic in the distance, but the closer he comes, the more normal, like a normal person he looks. And that's right. sort of like the concept of the contenders players is absolutely nuts, but once he gets to Overwatch League, it just looks average, like the average person. Like, who are you would be an ex example of that, right? Like, Nuts throughout Apex, pretty good throughout Fusion Uni, comes to Overwatch League, pretty much shits the bed for most of the time. And then now... Is he used, though? Who are you was barely used by NYXL? 
Yeah, but also for good reason, right? Like, yeah. Um, I guess. And then I mean, flower, flower will forever yes. be the prime example, right? Flower, mm. and now Mac is also like, unless he can turn it around, unfortunately, he's one of those guys. And there's not too many uh, of them, but, but Mag is definitely one of the top three. I think it feels there's... like 50, 50 isn't it? Because then you get guys like Pelican who who are like good yes. in contenders and, and even better in Overwatch League. So yeah. like Muse, who was good in contenders and even better in Overwatch League. So you you never know. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it is a dice roll. Yeah. I think it's a dice roll. I think that certain fits for certain teams just don't mesh. Um I Bro, think who the fuck was skewed in contenders? Who the yeah, fuck I was lit, every bro. game? I casted every game skewed played at zero points. Yeah. What I have said this guy was going to be a top player. Yeah. And you're right, who the fuck was lipping contenders at zero yeah. points? I don't to be fair, I didn't cast or watch him, but yeah. I no one said anything about lipping no. contenders. No, no. Zero. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Like if you take Mag, for instance, right? Let's let's hypothetically say. You take Mag, you put him in the 2020 postseason. You're like, all right, let's see what my free agency can get. Who's a who's a you know a top paying team who's got maybe some questions at main tank and wants a superstar stud to come into this new game and really you know just have a crack out season. I don't I don't hate the Philadelphia Fusion. I don't know if Mag is a superstar. I think I, I would not hold this season against him. And I know that that is completely I'd, well, irrational. I'd be, I'd be holding his gameplay in trials and Overwatch 2 and under a bit of a microscope. Yeah. I just and... don't know how you could get mechanically. Is it maybe he. I, I think he got mechanically worse. I'll say it. Fuck it. I'll say it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. Like, yeah. how do you go from being so damn good that you could sure. hard care main tank? To just not being any of that. I, I, you've actually regressed. You've gone backwards. That's the truth. I, I think that that is not... Um, I don't know that that's ever a mechanical thing. I think that has to do with like team culture, interpersonal things that affect a player. Um, it, it, this feels huh. a lot like the conversations around, you know, oh, this great player, this all-star player just isn't playing today because their scrims weren't good. Mm, yeah, no, this smells. I don't think you're being honest with us and I don't know that you can be honest, but that's okay. You we can kind of read between the lines. I, I think this season in general was kind of a read between the lines season with, with mag. I don't, I would not be shocked if you move him to a, a another roster that integrates him well. Um, and he he can kind of return to that form that he so, showed in contenders. I believe Mag's on a two plus one. Sure. Yeah. So he's on Washington again. Okay. I'm which lucky. I'm okay with. I'm okay with. I I think I think you're right, Joe, in the fact that he probably just had an underperformance of a season, and mm. my guy's got to look for a bounce back. Um, yeah. but like I don't know. This this looks like another Washington rebuild for next year. That's I good. don't know what all the the contracts look like, but. I uh, what was Tuber and Jerry this season? I I understand Jerry. Jerry's he got unlucky because we never got, again we didn't get into a hit scan meta, so Jerry didn't yeah. get much playtime uh, outside of the first tournament. Tuber, I don't oh, know what that was. Was he a Faro specialist? Even when he was he signed, was, it was bizarre. I, I I suppose he was meant to be a, a projectile, but then again, you then you are assassin anyway for projectiles. So it's like all right. I don't know, he ended up being a brig player at one point, but it's like, you don't want to be, you don't, as much as 
skewed in not being good. I still don't think it's healthy to to split up your Brig and Lucio player if you can help it. Um, I don't have a lot of. I don't think so. The result for Washington is it's for a fairly simple conversation, in that they probably played as well as we expected them to. Um, they lost where we expected them to. Yep. If they had beaten anybody, it would have been an upset win anyway. Oh, they were here on a bit of a lifeline, and um, yeah, I mean, look, they were eventually going to sink. It was just going to be a matter of when, and no one really expected them to go too far. Um, even even if you came into this underestimating Atlanta and thinking Atlanta can't be a good team, mm. you probably still expect Atlanta to win this game anyway. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And it sucks. Again, I, I, I constantly go back to that that on paper. I look at this team, I'm like, man, the the potential here is insane. Insane. And it just never clicked. It's disappointing. Disappointing. Yep. Oh, well. Yep, yep. Go next. So, um, that'll be Washington Justice. Actually, just while I was speaking of it, because we were talking about the Atlanta Justice game, I, I forgot something, and I really, I kind of want to tag this onto the Atlanta yeah. conversation. I could have said it, should have said it at the time, but I forgot. But I think Pelican may be one of the. He's such a hardworking player in this conversation of hardworking players. Pelican is so hardworking. Obviously, Brad said this already. Brad didn't Brad said that Pelican was the hardest working player he ever seen. But he is so hardworking, so dedicated to the game of Overwatch that after they lost to the Shanghai Dragons in a 0-4 Grand Finals, and he's chilling there in LA with his um, translator slash player manager, Dongmin, mm. um, the first thing that Pelican does after losing a 0-4 Overwatch League Grand Finals for the season is he boots up his stream and he plays ranked. I'm not fucking joking. That's legitimately what he does. He just plays ranked straight away as soon as he loses the Grand Final. He's just bam in the queues. That's how fucking dedicated he is to playing this game. It's that's, unbelievable. That's... I don't think anyone. I I I don't know if anyone could be in the right state of mind after getting boomed by Shanghai just to play more Overwatch. If anything, you're like, I'm 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 taking two weeks off. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm a... done for a little bit. This guy just jumps straight into rank, like zero hesitation. It's unbelievable. That's a fortitude that you kind of want, but you cannot manufacture. You're just you come out of the womb with an innate attribute to persist um it's nuts it's it's insane that's that's why yeah joe would you say it's when the the other sperm beat you first but you somehow still ended up winning yeah, like yeah you, like you, you took that sperm by the tail and you fucking beat it up and you won yeah <laughs> yeah is that pelican's persistence hey you you brought up you brought up this conversation about oh, introduction. Yeah. hey you know i bring up a lot of things you know recreational drug use and reference to players uh you know Slip of the tongues, referring to. Uh, well, Molly is a Overwatch League champion now, and so is Who Are You, by the true. way. True. So in terms Only of player to uh, players, yeah. tennis players that came out and weren't very good, Who Are You is a fucking champion now. So just there we go. you can just shut up about that. Best player. I mean, <laughs> if we're talking goats, I don't know that anybody can. You know. Uh, yeah, but develop up. comes out. Develop comes out. Plays one map, and he's an Overwatch League champion now. <laughs> there we go. Would you say developers may be the best rookie in all of Overwatch history? I think some people will. Factually, factually, he has to be. Factually, he has to be. He said the he just came out and got chipped straight away. Just boom, done. He's like a halfway. He's like a mid-year signing. Plays one map, gets a chip, boom, retire. Say you're a champion. Live without the rich. Write a book about it. Sell Mm -hmm. a movie rights. Done. Boom. You know who hasn't won any chips? I don't think Jonax won many many chips. I think uh, developers is a better player. Guy suffered enough, Joe. You don't yeah. need to go that far. 
True. He won stage finals. That's fair enough. Ah, uh, you know, that's... Eh. Do we want to debate the audience by not talking about Overwatch 2 even though it's on the thing? Or do we talk about Overwatch 2? Uh, At 2 hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> here's, here's my contribution towards it. I didn't watch. I don't care. We're the heroes. <laughs> you don't care about Overwatch 2. I don't care about Overwatch uh, 2 without the full feature list, especially without all the heroes that will be added. Yeah, because everything yeah. gets transformed significantly in, in the context of the new heroes. And until okay. I see those, I couldn't give a shit. Especially Real. about pro player opinions who told me four years ago or three years ago that Anna was a bad character. Please shut up. I don't care. I... <laughs> I two things here, guys. One is that obviously now with the season over, uh, the direction of the podcast will be moving heavily towards discussion about yeah. off-season trades, off-season roster moves, obviously, uh, and then direction of the game moving forward, including a bunch of two updates, mm. uh, more updates in terms of what's happening next season, stuff like that. So we'll have a little bit, a lot more time to talk about Overwatch. A uh, couple of brief things. I don't think there's too much. I don't. The reason why I say this for last, it's actually not. I'm sorry if you got debated into this. It's not a huge conversation because honestly. If you watch the show match, not a lot got shown. We got the Sombra rework, we got the Bastion rework, and what? That's about it. I did not see a lot coming through from the show match. I'm not going to say I liked it or disliked it. Yeah. I just don't think there was a lot there. The, the, the real content was whacking heavily in that show match. It was mm. just watch the developer show match again. Like, yes, there were better players playing, but I don't feel like I learned more. I don't feel like I got more out of it in terms of Hey, I got so I I discovered so much more about this game. No, I did not. So, um, Joe, you and I can gloss over the Sombra Bastion rework uh, as the only main thing. We'll talk about it again in the future episodes in terms yeah, of what else it will definitely give it the like. space. But... but I mean, what Sombra uh, had a passive change, pretty big deal. Fifty percent more damage to hack targets. Yep. The, the actual silence part of the hack, which disables abilities, only lasts for one second now. But the overall hack now is lasting for eight seconds. You can see opponents through walls. The team can also see opponents through walls. The cooldown of the hack is now three seconds. Mm. Um, and the ultimate of the EMP applies hack to everybody, but it also deals 40% of an enemy's current HP. So it doesn't instantly delete shields. Overall, I think the, the changes are positive in the direction of the game where they're trying to remove CC mm. or at least lessen CC, which is great. And I'd rather see a DPS hero just be a DPS and deal damage. Yeah. Okay, I think this is probably this is yes I agree a lot of with what was said this was very much a nothing burger um, but I think this is going to do this single change is probably going to do more for the general player base than I think they realize I think they're already we talked about it before the show there's knee-jerk reactions either way everybody's you know claiming either she's the best hero or she's the worst hero um, but I think this is this is a very healthy change, and I, I like the direction that they're going with it. Silence is a mechanic in games that I think is interesting in limits, and I don't think that Sombra really gave that all that much. She just kind of either was invisible and never present in like the lower ranks, or just incredibly oppressive in the right hands, even in some of the wrong hands, to be fair. Um, it, it it's she right. she's going to be like you said 
this is more DPS focused. She feels like a DPS. She still can support through hacks and vision, and that's fantastic. But she feels like she can be a little bit more self-sufficient um, and be that assassin that she kind of needs to be. And I think that's fantastic. I mean, I've, I I saw some real Pepega comments out there that were saying like, oh my god, the fact that there's no six-second silence on the hack now means she's completely ruined, like, what a garbage hero, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, what are you... What? Like, no, who who wants to play yeah. hack? I think hack is one of the most complained about abilities in the entire game yep. since Sombra's been released for the into all the years she's been around. Like, who who is actually thinking that this is a good thing in the game? Like, I, I think this is one of the most most unanimously agreed upon things and hack is like awful for the game in terms yeah. of gameplay experience. Um, and yet you still have Pepegas out there saying that I don't understand. I, I just, it's some, I'm not going to get too moldy about um, stupid stuff. I, I get really triggered by stupidity, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> Bastion is the only other thing here. And Bastion got a pretty big rework. Uh, weapon fire rate reduced by 50%, but I believe, did the damage get increased? No, it didn't. The damage, the fall off range. The accuracy is increased. I think the damage. I think the damage does need to be increased. I remember the player said that the, yeah. the left click felt like pretty garbage. Now, um, sentry is a big one. You can fire while moving. It's got unlimited ammo, but it only lasts a certain period of time. Has a cooldown, and you only deal sixty percent of the original damage instead of one hundred percent. So it's weaker in that way, yeah. but more mobile. Uh, I heard it was pretty average as ability. Yeah. The right click is now a grenade. You shoot a tactical grenade that detonates and knocks back and can bounce as well. Uh, as as well, I heard that was actually a really good ability. You can actually rocket mm. jump with that, apparently, like a like a helix. Oh, okay, cool. Um, and no more self repair. Fine, I hate healing in this game. Get rid of healing. I'm I'm cool with that. <laughs> and then uh, artillery mode is the new, new ultimate where you get to basically drop three media strikes down anywhere you want, uh, and they deal 600 damage each, 300 initial damage, and 300 splash as well. Yeah. So. And they're projectiles, so you can actually block them, eat them with Matrix, and deflect them with a Genji. Yeah. This feels like a hero torn between two identities. I think they're trying really hard to make the original Bastion motif work in a game that just is not going to work with him. Um, again, call me crazy. I'd love to... See I think what Blizzard wants a lot is like a very like nice and neat reason on why they do things. So this is this is where I tend to lean when I go to like reworking a rework. Um, they probably want like some sort of stupid story reason. So let's just blow up Bastion, have Torb rebuild him into something that's not Bastion. Um, and he still is Bastion. Come on. No, no, no. Exactly. That's the problem. He's still Bastion. What I'm saying is like there are some cool like aspects about the bastion rework that should be like leveraged more like why do we still like have that. sentry stop no uh, more sentry because it's his identity i know that's they're what i'm saying to, they're trying to figure out if they can make the sentry work without it being oppressive but because, then it's just a dead button nobody wants dead buttons well i think they just got to not make the damage so shit they got to sure. make the damage slightly better but without, but without being as garbage as it currently is i and that comes from someone that's listening to player feedback. Sorry, Yuska. Um, and <laughs> um, I, I think the the general here's the thing: we knew that Bastion was going to require rework. He yeah, is one of, of the worst made heroes in the entire game. 
an absolute farmer of gold and below. And by the way, I saw some more Pepega comments. It was like, oh, Bastion's ruined now because you took away his original uh, century. I'm like, bro, how do you think that's even balanced or fun? Like, that's one of the most complained about unanimously, unanimously uh, agreed bad things about Bastion. And there's still Pepegas out there saying that they liked him. Like, shut, what? Oh, I can't, I'm losing brain cells. Um, so yes, I think they needed to change Bastion. They want to keep Bastion as a DPS. And one of the key aspects of Bastion is his whole transformation thing. And they wanted to keep that. Um, but I don't know. The, the numbers are the are a problem. They need to tweak the numbers, I think. But I, I like the general direction of what they're trying to do. And I like the direction of what they're trying to do with removing oppressive stuff from the game, like Sentry Mode. Of course, yeah. They haven't, they haven't removed, removed it, but they've weakened it. Or they've changed it. And then get and then remove a lot of CC. So I like the direction. I think that's fair. Yep. There's a lot of cool things. Again, I think the big takeaway here is that like like the tactical grenade has a lot of like tech uses. It seems like a really fun ability to use. It's just stuck on a kit that really doesn't. I don't know is is going to see much use for it. Yeah. Right. Um. It it feels like they took two ideas or two heroes and just kind of try to mash them together into Bastion with a hat um and <laughs> i try to put it, it all under one hat and it's just another hat's not big enough you give him a bigger hat or just give him a you make a different um, hero i don't know i think it's just a numbers problem i think they're just gonna tweak the numbers but we'll find out more we will find out Agreed, more about yes. overwatch uh i there's not a lot i don't think it'd be worth diving into the show match yeah. just because there was there was nothing there guys trust yeah. me watch it if you don't believe me there wasn't much there um yes the ui is ugly and they probably need to update that too uh, but there'll be more to talk about. There'll be more to talk about, and Yisco will actually yes. join in when there's more, when there's actual heroes, and there's the new give heroes. heroes give me death. Some, some actual things, uh, and then we'll get into that. But uh, final shout out for our one of our uh, one of our viewers, actually a TCP yeah. fan who won the best bracket for the playoffs. So no one won the perfect bracket. So zero people got the 100k. And mm. I think it was very rare for anyone to get anyway. But the best bracket went to D Hulky, who got 38 points. Um, context, I got 27, so this is 11 points above me. And I think the maximum possible points you can get is 45. So you, this guy was only seven points off. So $10,000 won by D Hulky there. Congrats. Well done. Um, and if you made it this far to hear your own name being shouted, then I guess you, you really are like a true fan. So well done. Uh, thanks for holding out. Um, Avala got re signed as well to the Paris Eternal, and in future episodes, we'll be getting more details about other player free agency, new sightings, roster moves, and more Overwatch 2 news. But for this week, that's TCP episode 194, and what is probably our longest episode ever, to be fair. It was a lot of post-playoffs things to catch up on. Mm. Since the last time we talked was after only day one of playoffs, we had four days of playoffs to talk about. Another congratulations to Shanghai Dragons, and we'll see how they do next year as uh, we head into another, another week before the next episode hoping a lot of big news comes out catch you then thanks for hanging out